So, uh, so Chad, what's been going on with you this week? Anything new? Um, this week has been mostly around, um, but mo- most of my time has been focused on three things. One is um, working on like integrations and stuff with uh, various teams in the community, and um, then like the DeFi community, like Dex aggregators, wallet integrations, that kind of thing. Um, the other thing I've been working on is. Um, the Dex aggregator itself, the swap out Dex aggregation, which has been um, trickier than I thought it was going to be, but uh, I finally got the unit, the uh, smoke tests or integration test passing today, which has been a struggle for the last few days. Um, and then the third thing, mostly, is around uh, talking to uh, MultiCoin uh, and Delphi about the uh, Thorify designs. Um, and trying to get uh, some more input uh, after a few changes we made to make sure that it all makes sense. Uh, so we're waiting for kind of comment from them uh, on that. Yeah. Awesome, exciting. I'm, I'm sure we'll get into teasing some of the Thorify design stuff uh, maybe maybe a little later on. <laughs> yeah, if, uh, Tushar uh, from Multicoin, um, really good guy, really smart guy. Um, he says, like, he, I was just chatting with him, I think it was yesterday, um, we jumped on like a zoom or whatever. And, um, uh, you were saying that like the more he thinks about the lending design, the more he likes it. It just, it, it kind of like, it's this funny thing of like, when you first hear about it, you have this like knee jerk, like, Oh my God, this is sounds like the worst idea ever. Cause it sounds too good to be true. Like, Oh my God, this can't work. This is going to be a, a complete, you know, calamity. And then like, once you start to read and understand the, the mechanics of it, you start to like, Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. And then like, as he kind of been sitting on it for like, you know, a week or so or two weeks, he kind of just like starts digging into it more. And the more you think about it, the more you like dive into the, the depths of, of like the mechanics and the, the economics of it, it, it gets more and more interesting. Uh, and this is really kind of fascinating notion, you know? Yeah. I definitely want to hear you uh, talk a little bit more about the, uh, about the whole design today. Cause I, I mean, that'd, that'd probably be a good use of our time talking about uh, Thorfi and maybe some of the designs that um, you guys are considering for the future. Yeah. I uh, just got to do a quick thing. My sister's on the call here. <laughs> My sister Hillary, how you doing, sis? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've seen her on the call in the past, or maybe I just didn't notice. But uh, she's she's obviously a, a Rune fan as well, a, a Thor Chadet, or what's, what was the female term for Thor, Thor Chad we came up with? That was uh, uh, one was brunette. Uh, <laughs> 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 I don't know what the actual term should be or will be uh, it, it can still just be chad <laughs> thor chad thor chad is, ju- is junior is junior uh neutral exactly yeah we're okay. you know we're very uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so anyways yeah well th- i i'm i know i'm definitely excited to always just dig in as much as we can to the thorfi design but maybe um like we do have we can just kind of hit like the sort of like updates on timelines and stuff that's going on and um maybe get through that stuff like relatively sure. quickly and then uh geek out on thorfi um and then i already see uh somebody requesting uh just fyi we we will open it up to to questions um you know probably in like 20 30 minutes or so but just hang tight and uh everyone will get a chance to to come up and ask a question or just cool. give a comment that's fine too you don't even have to ask a question you can just voice your perspective that's too that's 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 cool too oh yeah yeah Great point. Yeah. Or uh, if you don't want to get up, you can also like tweet at us or something and we'll, we'll try to read off those questions. 
um, yeah. as well. Don't tweet at me though, because I probably won't notice. <laughs> One of the other you know, hosts there could, could probably. Yeah, true. I'll be, I'll be I'll be too focused on trying to make uh, you know sentences that make sense. Tweet totally. at uh, Chad Thoreau. <laughs> yeah if i if i start stumbling on my words it's because i'm trying to read at the same time so <laughs> cool so yeah let's get into the first thing which um is obviously on everyone's mind which is uh the progress on the luna integration and, and when that is going live um i know that we're uh, at this point basically kind of just waiting on the Terra scv uh security team to kind of give the final sign off but yeah what's going on what's going on there yeah, um, not a whole lot in terms of like dev because the the dev side of it is is, is completed. Um, we're just still waiting for the the uh, the audit from the from Terra. I think it's called Terra SVC or something like this. Um, they are a Terra specific you know security system or security you know uh, firm or whatever the correct term is there. Um, and so they're just going to give making sure that everything is on a level from from their Terra perspective. And then we had our ThorSec people, you know, make sure things on a level from the Thor chain perspective. Um, and that's, we're going to hopefully do that in, in further chains in the future, although it'll be less important um, as we've already implemented. Like this will be our first Cosmos implementation of the chain client. So it's, we'll just reuse the same code on, you know, Gaia or Osmosis or whatever the next thing is going to be. Um, so that we already kind of inherit the security and the audits that we've had before into this, you know, integrating with other chains. So it become significantly less risky in that, in that context. Um, so yeah, so we're still waiting for them to, to review and give us our, our feedback. And if there's anything, any issues that they find, we'll of course patch those things and then, uh, you know, carry on with it and launch, launch uh, Luna. Hopefully, I'm hoping in like a week or so. That's what I'm hoping to get the, but then again, it's not up to me and I don't want to put any, any kind of pressure on the, you know, the SVC um, team to like hurry up. I want them to take whatever time they feel like they need to take to, you know, get the thing done right rather than me trying to rush them along to get done in a few days. And so after the those audits complete, is there going to be like a some kind of notice period? Like, hey, the audits have completed. Now we're going to launch in maybe three or four days. Is that kind of how it's going to go once that's completed? Yeah. Well, assuming they don't find anything that's like a problem. Yeah, uh, if no problems are found, it just becomes um, just a flag that just gets enabled. So there'll be some sort of code release that will enable the the Terra daemon. All the the nodes already run their 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 their, um, their Terra daemons, then they're all caught up to the tip. Hopefully, everybody's already done that. All the node operators out there, um, I think they have. I assume they have. Um, and so once that happens and everything's fine, we can go ahead and just enable it, release an update, which would be like you know. Uh, AD one, AD point one, or AD one point one, or whatever, whatever the number is going to be, I'm not really sure. Um, and then that just enables it. And then once two thirds majority of those nodes pull in that change, which should be within, you know, eighteen hours, I would suspect, then they would basically be live in terms of its ability. And then we'll, it takes the team's time to, you know, uh, create the pool and kind of give it some. I think we're going to put some of our own uh, treasury funds into it to kind of get it get it started, get it rolling. Um, and all that kind of stuff. And hopefully we'll have like a launch party too. We'll do like a Twitter spaces launch party. I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah, that's what I just wanted to, to bring up to you. Uh, like I wanted to make sure that there's some interest here for a, for a Terra launch party because I think we could get some, uh, you know, some big people in the, in the Terra space and get a lot of excitement going and educate a lot of people about what's going on here. 
Yeah, absolutely. That'd, that'd be a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, super down for that. And um, yeah, just, uh, that sounds great that everything's moving along. Like, you know, it's kind of out of out of your guys' hands at this point, but waiting on that security sign-off, obviously crucial. You know, don't want to rush that. So uh, yeah, to everyone, you know, hang tight. <laughs> it's happening. But um, yeah, you know, it's hard to put exact, exact times on these things. And then, you know, to actually get it um, live and get that liquidity seated and stuff like that. But um, yeah, all good news um, the way the way I hear it. So pumped to pump to see that live. And yeah, launch party sounds sounds like fun for sure. Uh, LFG. <laughs> Yeah, LFG, Luna Rune. <laughs> <laughs> Luna Rune Fool. Yeah, Runa, Runatics. Runatics. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, that probably covers it on, on the Luna side. Um, yeah, just kind of waiting on that audit again. Um, let's just move on to uh, synths and, and the timeline there. Um, I know that's getting really close. So, yeah, what, what's up there? Yeah, so we finished the um, four games where we kind of engaged the community to – to fuck around on, on stage net, I think it was, um, to play around with synthetics and kind of test its parameters and, you know, see how they could manipulate it or, or break it or, or, or something of this nature. Um, in the end, I don't think, I don't think we found any significant problems with the core protocol. There were some bugs found on some of the UIs, which is fine. Um, they'll just patch those and carry on. Um, right now, nine realms team is, is doing kind of a one last ditch effort to, to kind of an all hands on deck, you know, is banging on the thing and, and trying to find some, you know, any other issues potentially. Uh, we did find one bug that was kind of small and not really a significant, so it won't uh, delay anything. Um, we'll patch that later. It doesn't really matter that much. Um, and then I think if, assuming that uh, Nine Rolls finishes their thing um, today or, or Saturday or whatever it is, uh, and they find no significant bugs or, or serious issues, then uh, I think we're probably going to enable synthetics, you know, maybe Monday um, for the for the community. Or rather, sorry, let me rephrase that. The node the nodes will enable it. Um, they will choose to enable it through Node Vermeer, uh and to enable synthetics to to burn and mint uh, synthetics in the network. And then we'll hopefully put a limit on that to be about five percent of the pools, just to start small and and kind of targeted and not go uh, too crazy off, off the bat. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is that five percent of the the total pool depth, or just the uh, is it is that the asset pool depth? Uh, I believe it's the asset pool depth. Uh, so if you know, yeah, five percent of the asset pool depth. I think I think that's how it's actually coded out. So we'll start with five, and we'll probably dump uh, bump it up to you know ten at some point, uh, and maybe even further. But um, we probably won't go too far on it, just because we want to make sure that that the um, that we don't overexpose the LPs to potential risks. We want to keep the very, very small control. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's coming up real soon. Um, yeah, let's hit a couple of these other things. So, um, and then we might, uh, sorry, we're chatting behind the scenes trying to take up, uh, we might be bringing somebody up here too, but, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's knock out these other quick updates, but we had like huge volume spike, um, which was really exciting. I don't know if it was quite all time high in volume, but it was definitely like one of close to it, if not, if not the highest, um, which was super exciting to see just like, t which basically means tons of trading, uh, which means, you know, LPs are awarded, which then means, um, you know, more desire to add to those liquidity pools and so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, any, any thoughts, um, any just thoughts on that, uh, quickly? Yeah. So we, we, we had like a really good day of the day, as you all uh, are probably aware, the, the coin went up like things like 
35 or 40% in a day uh, in 24 hour period, which is, you know, some good performance considering, you know, everything else in the space was, you know, pretty nominal, like, you know, a few percentage points. And so I think that was partially because uh, of, you know, some, some macro things, partially about the people getting excited about the Luna integration. Um, there was a, a coin telegraph, I think it was article that came out that kind of um, was very glowing of Thorchain in a sense. And then um, also, you know, I was talking about um, Thorfi, I think as well. Uh, yeah, I think so. Or whatever it was. Anyways, a bunch of different things happened, which is really cool. A bunch bullish for the project, which caused the trading volume to increase quite significantly. It could be one of the higher days we've had, at least in many months. Uh, and that kind of goes to show that, like, that uh, Rune having volatility, either in the upside or the down, is really positive for LPs because it causes all the pools to be rebalanced, right? For arbitrage to come in. And so all that, you know, volume, that volatility is just going to create more volume as we saw um, the other day, which is really kind of fascinating to see. Right. Yeah. Like um, uh, uh, volatility is, is great for uh, liquidity poolers because like all of every time like a price moves, then the pool is slightly off balance. Then that requires basically another trade in the other direction and are being in, all of those are basically users of Thorchain too, so all of that is rewarding the the underlying LPs. So, uh, yeah, we we like the volatility and um, and it's great to see. <laughs> we uh, we brought DeFi Dad up here. Um, what's what's up, man? I think we I think we saw some uh, some tweets from from DeFi Dad about uh, Thorchain just uh, just last week about uh, some of the liquidity pools. Yeah. Hey guys. Hey. Good. Good to good to talk to everyone again. And yeah. No. Uh, I so I, I am um, I, I hold Rune myself, and I've um, I'm trying to think like when I first learned about Thorchain. I definitely think it was the Delphi report they wrote, like the original whatever the original report was. And then obviously since then, I, I've had the opportunity to uh, interview Chad and just continue to like stay involved as as an LP. Well, um, around the time that that the mainnet launched or, or whatever we're in this beta whatever it is um, when we moved off of off of bsc um, so i had been an lp there and you know i eventually like i got all my tokens out of that and after like the exploit and so on so long story short i kind of lost track um i've just you know like continued to um you know, I, th I think like I knew from a distance that like there's been a lot of work being done, but I have continued to use ThorSwap. So a while ago, I had this dilemma. I had some uh, Bitcoin, tokenized Bitcoin on BSC from a long time ago that I was pretty confused as to how I was going to get it off. And um, I was actually becoming a little bit frantic, like realizing I didn't know a solution, um, and I wasn't even. I was also pretty scared that I wasn't sure if the version of the tokenized Bitcoin I was holding was was going to be liquid enough. Um, th these are things that I, I think have been a problem, especially with the wormhole tokens on Solana lately. So, long story short, I like. I was like, wait a sec. This is like exactly what this is what ThorSwap was created for, ThorChain, but but I, I went to ThorSwap and man, I've used it countless times now. So I've moved money between, I've done actual trades, not just like bridging uh, from BSC to Ethereum. Uh, mo more recently, I've actually done quite a few 
between Bitcoin and Ethereum as well. And then it's really just everything that we've all, you know, talked about previously that like the promise was that, you know, today we live in a world where there are some other, uh, you know, decent tools. I would say like the one that I had always relied on as a, as a, you know, a permissionless, trustless way to move money, um, Bitcoin especially, was using the Ren Bridge. And so I, I was drawn to ThorChain originally because of this idea that you could you could do trading, that it's not always going to be this like super methodical move of, of Bitcoin to Bitcoin, you know, across chain or Ether to Ether. Um, and so, yeah, no, it's, it's been, it's been awesome. It's been a lifesaver. And I've just been like, it feels like the market uh, or just like the community of DeFi users, like, I feel like we've lost track of some of these really important fundamental tools that are censorship resistant, that are truly permissionless, that are, you know, accessible to anyone in the world. And so my, really the one thing that I'm, I'm, ex I'm, excited to see coming because i've been using like hop protocol to move between evm chains and now there's uh there's bridge aggregators popping up between evm chains so the, the most popular one i think is is called uh move, the fund mover m-o-v-r it's created by a team called socket it's basically one inch for bridging now there's if you want to move between evm chains they're great but once you start talking about uh, Bitcoin uh, and other non-EVM chains, you're totally screwed. So the fact that you guys are adding Terra, that's one humongous, you know, that's, that's been one major challenge is being able to move funds <clears throat> back and forth without trusting some, you know, fairly centralized tools and risky tools. The the wormhole itself obviously had a had a major exploit. So like ter this Terra move will be huge, I think, for creating more exposure to to many people who uh, who haven't used um, Thorchain before. But I'm I'm really excited for the other EVM chains as as well, or for the EVM chains to be added. So like Avalanche, uh, Phantom, just w if you go to DeFi Llama, whatever's the top TVL behind Ethereum, Terra, and BSC, um, there's tons of users there. And they're, they're living through a really painful process right now of, you know, they, they've bookmarked multiple pages for different bridges when they move different tokens. I had a really good friend yesterday who is a uh, he works at the DeFi Alliance, um, and you know he's a really smart guy. He he works with countless DeFi projects. He didn't know how to move USDC between uh, Ethereum and Polygon. He was like, "Is this the same thing? Do I need to like buy it? Like just all sorts of basic questions." And I'm like, "This is why we. This is this is why like what you what you guys have built is so important. You just need a sort of like." You know, you need one sort of like bridge aggregator. And I, I think, you know, despite the fact that I do choose to go directly to ThorSwap right now and use it, um, 
I, you know, I, I'm pushing on the uh, the socket team, my, my team at Fourth Revolution Capital. We invested in them quite a while ago, so I'm I'm pushing on them to uh, to get you guys implemented eventually. They've been mostly focused on um, just using all the basic EVM bridges for now, but but this this is this this is you know really important that we simplify that process of how do I move a token from one from one chain to another with, with the cheapest and fastest route without me having to look like Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia with like a map on the wall and strings being drawn everywhere. And, and so those, those bridge ag- aggregators, I think, are, are doing a good job, but you can't do that if the plumbing's broken. And, and the plumbing, what I'm trying to get to, and you guys, everybody here knows this, but I'm hoping more of the uh, the DeFi community discovers this. The plumbing has been fixed. That cross-chain swapping ability has been solved um, with with ThorChain. So, yeah, just uh, if, if you're ever trying to reach out to any projects or <clears throat> if anyone, yeah, is just looking for feedback on, on future products here, I mean, I, I'm... Um, I'm, you know, I'm as excited as anybody, and just really think the world of uh, of the utility that's that's being brought forth with uh, with Thorchain. Yeah, and we would definitely appreciate um, some like introductions into some of those other DeFi products. You and you were just talking about Mover uh, a little while ago, and they're doing kind of cross chain, you know, um, aggreg- um, aggregation. But there's no reason why they can't. So they can actually add Thorchain to their to their kind of cross chain aggregation, and they can have like access to not just the EVMs, but the non EVMs, right? The the UTXOs, the Cosmos chains, even you know the Polkadot chains one day. Um, so yeah, if if you know those guys over there, especially you know, put us into a Telegram group with each other, and we'll kind of start talking to them and explain them how we can add significant value to what they what it is they do for free of charge, I mind you, uh, and then even potentially add uh, revenue for, and fund their entire project, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, as, as I was using ThorSwap, you know, I, I, uh, <clears throat> I remember first seeing that, that, hey, there's support here for, for Binance or BSC, and there's support for, uh, for Ethereum. And there's, in, in my opinion, and I'm sure someone would be better off putting numbers to this, I think there's been less crossover. Uh, and so there is, for, for whatever reason, uh, I, I just haven't seen as much of that crossover between Ethereum and, and BSC DeFi users. But that crossover is there seemingly for, for all these other EVM chains. So I, I, I mean, I personally, like just, again sort of like revisiting all this over the over the past week like understanding that we you just hit like all-time high daily trade volume i i would imagine that this is i think that that this is a tool that many have forgotten about um like many many of the evm only folks and by tapping into Terra, I think it's really smart because Terra does have this gap right now in, uh, of uh, of a reliable, you know, trustless bridge. I, I don't know all of the vulnerabilities or all, not the vulnerabilities, all of the um, the risks that are being taken when you use the uh, the the Terraforms 
uh, Terraform's lab bridge to, to move like lunar or other tokens across, but that, that is not a, that, that's not like a trustless bridge. That's, you are, you, you are definitely putting your trust in, 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 in the way that that thing is set up. So this to me, like, I mean, if, as obviously like we've all watched what's, what's happened with this war um, uh, in Ukraine, it, it's just a reminder that like, you know, we need to be building so that anyone, no matter what part of the world they're in, can can actually access, uh, you know, all of these DeFi tools. Otherwise, we're just rebuilding, like, kind of like we're we're just rebuilding the finance world with like a band aid on top of it and saying, hey, look at all the cool things you can do. But oh, by the way, you're geofenced out if you live in this part of the world. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just a huge, huge opportunity right now to to see those EVM traders come in. So my my goal today is uh, yeah to get this prioritized with the uh, the socket team. Um, another one that that I would recommend reaching out to, and uh, I'll definitely reach out to them as well as uh, LiFi. LiFi is uh, they, I don't think they're doing the same volume as Socket, but um, that's another one, and then. God knows how many other uh, bridge aggregators are going to come out. Um, oh, and then lastly, the yields are insane. On uh, <laughs> like, I, I um, my, my only uh, my only feedback there was and maybe this is an opportunity for me to do like a tutorial at some point. Um, I, 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 the yields are so high on uh, ThorSwap right now, or just you know, if you want to become an LP, and. Um, Chad was nice enough to kind of walk me through like what makes up the yield and just understand the impermanent loss insurance. But um, I think once more folks understand that, you know, like just understanding you're still 50, 50 exposed to rune uh, plus whatever token. And there's some details there that are very familiar to everyone, but they don't, my, my guess is there's a lot of DeFi market participants out there who who just aren't aware you know because it sounds like magic like what do you mean i can hold like native bitcoin is this is native are you talking about rap bitcoin or ren bitcoin or something else and it's like no no no. this you're holding native bitcoin paired with rune on Thorchain. it's yeah it's it's kind of what eric Voorhees i think has has been a a great advocate you know sort of like champion just like what a huge innovation this is, um, you know, especially the fact that it's working, you know, at this point. So anyway, yeah, Eric was always been a, a big supporter of the project and he's just a great example of a person who just has a tendency to think objectively rather than, you know, uh, going with the crowd or whatever. Yeah. He, he, and that's partially why he discovered Bitcoin, you know, very, very early on when, you know, Probably everyone in this group had not discovered Bitcoin yet. <laughs> like he's, no, no, no. That's, he's, yeah, he's Eric's great. always been very open-minded. That that's yeah. the key. And right now, that's that's the key with with where we're at. We we I, you know we all feel like we're living in a very different world in 2022 than than years past. But I think the truth is is you know you, you you should be if you don't understand something, you should be trying it. And I I'm speaking from a year ago. I had barely used anything outside of Ethereum. I, was, I, I maybe had touched one or two apps on Polygon and, and now, God, I, I use everything. And it's it's a joy because there's so many, there's some really interesting 
novel tools being built out there. Um, and that is, I think, the opportunity now with adding these other EVM chains and, and also Terra and Solana. You know, Terra and Solana have, there's a lot of interesting stuff being built. I think Terra is is leading in TVL second to Ethereum because they 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 look like they're trying to actually build you know new new value add ideas not just copy paste what works you know there's some like really I, I think we still continue to see more new ideas get built up, more radical ideas being built on Ethereum. And then, you know, I'm seeing them, you know, copy pasted or Frankenstein onto like other chains. The the point of all of that though is if you if you if you um, look at it objectively and and you know don't take off you know any sort of like bag bias, you're you're Take off, you know, your your maximalist hat, whatever it is. Each one of these communities is is you know growing its own, uh, you know, feel its own uh, sort of like direction. You know, they're like little cities, and I I do not see, you know, I don't know what's ahead for us in terms of like the macro market, and of course, there's all sorts of scary stuff in the world right now happening, but. Um, that you know that all being said i i think that these communities are not going away i i mean i i always used to believe in the multi-chain narrative but i think it has been proven in the last year like no one is is uh, uh using DeFi uh applications or open finance whatever you want to call them on uh on let's say like avalanche or phantom or terra or solana or ethereum no one's using this and is just going to like one day say, ah, you know what? <laughs> we were wrong. And I should have just used all the applications on this other chain that I've not been using where I don't have any money. Um, that's just not going to happen. People are going to continue to like find ways to create grants and attract new builders. Um, it's just that I do think that, um, and this is another thing I'm excited for, hopefully to see integrated is I'd love to see L2 integrations. Um, I think that that can be, you know, uh, another sort of value add for for using uh, something like ThorSwap or any sort of application using ThorChain. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm interested in adding L2s as well to the to the network. This is a question about before we can do that, we need to make an analysis on what are these security risks with using a particular L2 and you know. Do we have mechanisms to, to mediate that risk, right? Like even though something like Bitcoin has risks, right? Like a, the ability for the network to kind of be, you know, reorg and then undo transactions that happen on the chain. And so the network has to have a mechanism to protect itself from such, you know, situations. And so what are the what are the risks of adding a new chain and are there ways to mitigate that risk, blah, blah, blah. Like all that stuff needs to be discussed on every you know, chain that we that we implement as a community uh, to, to add to, to Fortune's network. Yeah, and we got time. You know, I mean, it's it's so early. I, I think like the leading, the in terms of like the amount of money uh, on chain, the leading Ethereum L two right now is Arbitrum. It's it's only got two billion compared to, you know, twenty three billion on on Terra. So you know, we, we got time. But if you know, reminder to anyone who ends up listening to this, if if you're a part of uh, any you know, community uh, that, you know, whether it's an alternative L1 or whether it's, uh, you know, an Ethereum L2, 
you know, you should be you should be vocalizing like how important this is to to get um, the attention of this team of the, of like the Thorchain community because tools like that <clears throat> that's you know that's your entry exit valve and, and when you once you once you open that up I mean that's everything like I, I remember writing tutorials about six to 12 months ago, no, six months ago, let's say, six months ago about uh, Solana. And I had some horrific experience of, I moved some money through the wormhole bridge and then it, 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 I, I, I bridged it and it came out with this illiquid form of, uh, it was like wormhole Bitcoin. And I, I was like struggling to figure out what to do with it. And I, I the only answer was to just literally send it back. But that was a horrific experience. And I'm someone who's here to stay, so there's no risk there. But for new users who are like just venturing beyond centralized exchanges and starting to like play with self-custody wallets, those are experiences that just make people, you know, not want to participate. So, you know, the ability to say, uh, um, hey, uh, you know, do you, if you want to participate uh, in... The anchor, the anchor rate, uh, earning about twenty percent on anchor protocol on Terra, it, it actually takes about like fifteen to twenty steps to walk someone through that, and quite a bit of that is just getting your money over to to Terra. Versus if if someone is has USDC, which you know USDC or UST on Ethereum is a really popular stablecoin now, or or Dai, whatever it is. <clears throat> In the future, to be able to say, hey, here's ThorSwap, just go here and just choose the network you're going to and, and uh, you know, oh, you don't have UST, that's okay. Like, you can trade it on the way. You don't even have to, like, bridge it over and then say, okay, so now that you bridged this, now you have to go to an AMM on Terra and you're going to have to swap that. Now you have the tokens you need. Like, these are just, these are steps that all of us sort of take for granted and the average user gets scared away from it. So, you know, it's... Yeah, just just to add to that, um, not only is that true, it's starting alleviating that problem that you're talking about, but we're also trying to do it with our DEX aggregation concept so that it can work across all of the DEX and more or less the, the complete ecosystem of all of crypto. And so you can do a single transaction to acquire any short-tail or long-tail asset you're choosing on whatever chain it is you want to choose it from. And that's like that's a huge shift that that changes the the crypto community from being these separate little ecosystems to one ecosystem where you've access to any asset you want whenever you choose in a single transaction, a single step, without needing to go through thirteen transactions as you were just kind of referring to on on, on Anchor, right? That's a pretty important thing. And the other thing you, you said that I just want to kind of accent is that you were talking about how. When you acquire a wrapped asset, like a wrapped Bitcoin on Solana, to use your example, you because you have a new asset that is not Bitcoin, you do not inherit the liquidity of Bitcoin. And obviously, Bitcoin is like the most liquid asset in crypto by a good margin because um, it has a large market cap and trade volume and all that kind of stuff. But when you take this new wrapped asset, you have a liquidity problem. Like, how do you create the liquidity for this new wrapped Bitcoin on this new ecosystem. And that's a really hard problem to solve. And to be honest, it's not one that actually needs to be solved. That's why like we've always designed Thorchain to be like a first principles mentality of why are we trying to create the liquidity for this wrap asset, blah, blah, blah. Like, why don't we just 
like you know touch or use the liquidity of the original asset, which is obviously Bitcoin. And they don't want, we don't have to solve that problem. We actually have this massive you know liquidity available to you, and you don't have to worry about you know this other other um, uh, mechanisms that don't even need to exist to begin with. <laughs> which is yeah, kind of it's, funny to it's, think about. It, it's a very just I'll say frightening experience to to go through that. Uh, and, and like I said, that for for those of us who are already here, it's not a threat. But you know, bridging should shouldn't be difficult. And like that's why that's why you know what what you guys have built is is so important. So it's really you know I, I'm I'm excited even for like I, I still don't fully buy into um, or, or really follow the 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 quote unquote Bitcoin DeFi um, community. I, I recognize Sovereign, I know has grown quite a bit um, and they've sort of been like a leader there, but you know, there's a lot of liquidity in in um, the Bitcoin community uh, in terms of like native Bitcoin. And this is, you know, I, I'm not expecting, you know, everyone to dogpile here into becoming LPs um, on ThorChain with that Bitcoin, but I mean, just a fraction of it would would be huge. You know, like right now, I think there's like 50 million-ish liquidity in the Bitcoin rune pool. Um, so like I, you know, I, I that 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 is, um, you know, that that's a lot, but it's not a lot compared to other uh, like AMM pools out there uh, in DeFi. So I guess at the same time too, like enjoy enjoy the LP rewards right now because I think like once the word gets out, you know, uh, uh, even with increasing trade volume, which should uh, you know off- obviously offset the dilution uh, as an LP, um, it's early. It's really really early. It just it feels like so much has happened in the last few years. But DeFi is going to hit a trillion in TVL this year. I have no doubt about that. Will be multi-trillion, hopefully in, in a year, and um, you know that money. That money has already proven that it's willing to move uh, between chains. I, I can't believe what how how less often I was willing to move money six months ago versus now. I'm just like, oh yeah, of course. Oh, what, what's that? You, you found a farm that's earning twenty percent stable coins, like. Bridging is the least of my worries. You know, that's that's the easy, that's the part now that 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 I'm able to to map because I I know how to use um, ThorSwap and, and and other tools like Socket by or Fund Mover by Socket. So, anyways, though, I don't know if you guys had any questions or if there's anything else you wanted to touch on, but yeah, just kind of wanted to like like rem- remind uh, those of us who have you know who have always you know believed in that vision it's working and i think it's really important to go remind folks that it's actually working you know it's a really uh it's i mean part of the reason like i bought rune was because i i thought god if that has even like if there's any probability of it working i mean it's it's that's a really valuable network um it feels good to actually see it working because because um like i said i know as a user how how badly I needed that, you know, over the past few months and how relieved I was to know that I could, that I could um, use it. And also, you know, the fact that it's, it, it, it is a good user experience. I mean, when I've, when I've moved money <clears throat> between chains, 
other than of course bitcoin which is just slower and takes like an hour at least for you to see your money show up um you know it's 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 really it's a it's a user experience that is on par i think with all the other sort of amms except in this case it's cross-chain so that that's um definitely something to uh think to share with more people and just start to remind them like stop stop bookmarking like 20 different bridges to use like this is this should be one of one of two bridges and eventually in the future i'm hoping this just gets absorbed into um other uh cross-chain aggregator type bridges yeah that's my hope too i think eventually people will pick their favorite mechanism to move between um, assets or between chains and uh, in most of those cases, it'll, it'll be searching underneath the hood, no matter what you pick. <laughs> That's my intention, at least. That's what I hope to see what happen over the next over the next year. I think we had a, cu- a couple more kind of things to go over within the, the weekly, and then we can open it up for com- for commenting, conversation, and questions um, to either to myself or, or or to DeFi Dad here. Thanks, thanks for DeFi Dad to, to kind of jumping on the call and just giving his perspective. Uh, it's really valuable. You've been, you've been talking about DeFi for a long time now um, and kind of educating the masses and experimenting yourself. So your, your viewpoint uh, and perspective is, is valuable for sure. Thanks so much, Chad. Yeah. You guys have a great day. I'm, I'm going to hop off. And if, um, Hey, if anyone is uh, in the future looking to build applications uh, or, or like, I'm a big fan of the XDFi guys. So like, that's one of the projects I always think of like the work they've done with, XDFi as a wallet, but if you're building any tools in the future like that, please uh, reach out to my team. We're at um, fourthrevolution.capital, and we've we've um, we've invested in about forty teams in the past year. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm actively looking for you know great founders that we can partner with and really work in the weeds with to to make um, valuable tools in, in Web three and DeFi. So, but you guys have a great day. Thanks, Chad. Yeah. I actually see DeFi spot in the audience there. Maybe that's a potential collaboration with you. Oh, yeah. There you go. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, guys, take care. Yeah. Thank you. Chad. Thanks, DeFi. One one thing that I wanted to uh, kind of of bring up, uh, just based off what DeFi Dad was saying, is like the the very real uh, use case of ThorChain, especially with... um, you know, Thorchain being complete self-custody, so you're always holding your own uh, your own keys to your coins while you're making a swap. So, I mean, let's say you're a Russian citizen, you've been watching your your Michael Saylor videos, right? You've been stacking Bitcoin. All of a sudden, you need uh, U.S. dollars to actually pay for things or to just live your life, right? And if centralized exchanges are blocking your access to trade your Bitcoin, then it doesn't matter, you know, how long you've been stacking Bitcoin because what what are you gonna spend it on? How are you going to exchange that for something uh, that's valuable to you in that moment? And uh, Thorchain is here to uh, provide uh, a service where you can keep your self custody, but also swap towards something that is valuable to you in in the moment, which could be, um, you know, s- selling your Bitcoin, God forbid. But in, yeah, just, on a decentralized platform. Yeah, but just to add to that, is even if you could pull it out into you know a fiat currency in, in Russia's case, would you want to? Because now there's this like this threat of SWIFT being shut down around Russia, which caused this kind of massive bank run 
within the country. And then all of a sudden the ruble has been diving in, in value. And so like, if you could sell your Bitcoin and in, into in, in in fiat, would you really want to in that scenario? And probably not. You probably want to hold, uh, you know, sell your Bitcoin into, if you want to de-risk yourself, you can sell it into like USDC or, or, or UST or, or something of this nature, you know, to, to de-risk yourself from volatility, you know, especially if the ruble itself is like, you know, more or less uh, collapsing. I think it's like down like some massive percentage wise. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Right. Things happen. And, and all while maintaining the self custody and never having the risk of seeing your funds seized or not being able to access it, you know, the, the full, the full suite of protections that you get just by being a crypto native citizen. Yeah, 100% for sure. Cool. So should we uh, maybe hit these last couple things uh, and then open up to everyone? Yeah, um, sure. Cool. So uh, yeah, just just a couple quick ones, I guess. But uh, we were going to hit on the Bond Wars um, kind of being back in action. So, um, yeah, Chad, thoughts on that? Yeah, the Bond Wars is fascinating because um, we had Bond Wars, you know, was, was pretty intense in the beginning of the, the life of the network back starting back in April. And because everybody was just dying to get in because it was just so profitable to run a, a node, which is extremely profitable. And uh, as we've gotten expanded and, and now we've gone from, you know, initially I think it was like five or six nodes, whatever the hell that was when it was first uh, started. And today it's at like, uh, I think 90 or, or something like this, uh, um, 89 or 90 or something like this. And so people, there was a kind of moment in time, you know, a couple of months ago where like there was less and less standby nodes and people were freaking out that the, the bond, the bond wasn't going to be increasing anymore, blah, blah, blah. We had this major problem. Like there was just kind of uh, somewhat of a panic within the community where we're kind of brainstorming of different ways to just potentially solve that, uh, that idea. But it ended up being we didn't even need to solve it. They ended up just this the mechanics and the, the, the economics of the of the network itself uh, came through, and it did what it was designed to do. And then, and more nodes just kept coming in, kept coming in. Uh, we have more nodes in the, in, in, to be spun in. And what's interesting is that the um, the bond wars have been like going up this entire time uh, from from that point where it was just I think the bond wars were like around like three hundred and twenty thousand or three hundred fifty thousand people were getting churned in, and today like somebody just churned in or going to be churned in uh, for like over five hundred thousand room, and so like just the natural economics of the system is just you know it's just it's working exactly how it was intended to work, which is really kind of satisfying to see that happen. Yeah, that's awesome, and and just to kind of like zoom that out, you know that that is what secures the the funds. Right. So like right. that, that, that's like the key to this really scaling to be able to become a liquidity black hole for all these cross chain assets. Like we need the bond side to be growing. And, um, it's amazing that just kind of the fundamental economic design, um, worked. <laughs> like, I guess it's just like, you know, you didn't actually have to change anything. It was, uh, it, it just worked as designed and like the incentives, um, are, are playing out. And, uh, one thing that was cool just in the last week is, um, we were seeing that like with the, with the bond, um, with the, with these bond wars, like the incentive pendulum is actually pushing right now to where the LPs, um, are like extra incentivized. So it's really cool to see that in, in action, which is kind of the, the mechanism that keeps the balance in place between how much is bonded and how much liquidity is actually 
in the network. Um, and then the rewards kind of shift as such to, um, to incentivize which side is needed. So, um, yeah, right now with the bond wars increasing, it's like now there's, now it's kind of in this state where it's like, Hey, we can, we can, we can take in more liquidity, um, which is really kind of the ultimate goal and what we want to see, uh, back to like what, what DeFi dad was, was bringing up with, with Terra coming and, and tapping into these more DeFi centric, um, ecosystems, like we, we really need that. So it feels like this is the, like, it, it's just such a good sign to, to see it, uh, leaning on that side, because, um, if anything, that's probably the side that's like maybe more, um, more difficult, um, it, like just to scale over time. So really cool. Yeah. And the other thing that's kind of fascinating, kind of zooming out and looking at, you know, bond wars and LPs and all that kind of stuff is that, uh, just, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the total room in the, in the network and the, in the, the pool side was around like a little over 20 million. And today it's at 18 and a half. And you might think to yourself, oh, we have less room. That's, that's a bad thing. Oh, no. It's actually quite the opposite because the total value of, of, the, of, the, um, of the pools are, is deeper. But the, because the room price has gone up in value since it was a couple of weeks ago, the amount of room required in the network to secure that much Bitcoin or that much Ethereum and that much, you know, uh, will, will be like Luna uh, has gone down. And so less room is in, actually in the pools, but the value has gone up. You know, and so now because of that that price movement, um, the network can naturally hold more. You know, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, other assets, just just because the room price has gone up in value, and also the, because the room price has gone up in value, the the bond value has gone up as well. So it's one of the it's a great thing for the network when you see the price when room outperforming more or less the rest of the of the of the cryptocurrencies is that it just benefits the depth of the pools entirely. Right. Yeah. It's interesting how there's kind of a couple different dynamics happening at the same time. Like if the rune price doubles, then the bond doubles, but then that means the rune side of the pools has been creeping up. And as it was going up, it was actually being sold into the other asset uh, for the rebalancing. So there's sort of this like um, play between the two sides. Um, that That's really interesting. Yeah, in that scenario, the room quantity in the pools basically halves if the room price doubles relative to everything else. And then uh, by doing so, by having that price movement, you also have a lot of arbitrage opportunity, which creates a lot of like LP uh, uh, yield and also yield for the nodes and yield for the LPs as well. So like that scenario is like a great scenario uh, for, the, uh, for the community for sure. Even when it, the room price halves relative to everything else in that that negative kind of case, it's still positive for the LPs because they just earn, they just you know get massive yield from that scenario too. Yeah, totally. Cool. So uh, yeah, only other thing on our list was uh, to get into some Thor Thorfi stuff, but um, there's probably also questions about that. So um, maybe I'm thinking maybe just open it up to questions, and then it'll probably yeah. kind of veer towards. It'll, it usually ends up veering towards Thorfi anyways, <laughs> because that's kind of what we all get like really excited about. But. Sure. Um, yeah, so if people have questions, you know, feel free to just hit that request button. It should be in the bottom left. Uh, you have to be on mobile. Um, yeah, it can be about Thorify, but you know, if you have, you know, it could be any question really. It could or or just even a comment. But uh, we can get into basics. Uh, you know, stuff that's coming up soon, stuff that's coming up later. Uh, really anything. So yeah, feel free to feel free to request, and we'll start bringing you up. Uh, first up, I see Marty uh, was requesting, so it's connecting and it's taking a second. Whenever you're connected, uh, feel free to go ahead. Good afternoon. It's Marty. So love the uh, the previous discussion there about 
um, the utility in the transference between networks. I have to tell you that IBC is a dream um, and wormhole is a nightmare. And I think I had the same, if not even worse experiences with wormhole um, bridging. But, you know, maybe that's good enough for the transfer by the whales and the protocols for UST, right? If it's, if it's really going to be about whales and protocols between chains, maybe wormhole is sufficient. But so, so I'm a lunatic, you know, who started in ETH DeFi and basically spends my life somewhere between, you know, Kepler and the Terra station and hates MetaMask kind of <laughs> from, from his broken and costly past. But for the lunatics, you know, what's not really clear is how do you get Rune now and how to put it in. So in the fervor of trying to deal with all the changes in IBC, you know, the Cosmos people from, you know, Evmos to Osmosis to Juno to all the things that's going on Terra, we kind of reach for our standard stuff. And one of our kind of our standards are, um, you know, onboarding cash through Coinbase and using Qcoin to buy things. And, you know, some of us do it without looking, including me. And so you buy Qcoin uh, or you put uh, Rune on DCA and Qcoin for months in anticipation of this. And then you look down and it's like, only available for transference through Binance. So that's kind of like a nightmare for us to try to minimize our centralization. And, you know, what hasn't been communicated to the lunatics is how do you get Rune pre the connection? So that's kind of my um, question, I guess, as a noob to Rune, but not a noob to everything else. Chad Throw or, or from the other you want to do this one? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, the really cool thing about ThorChain just at a fundamental level is like, it's not a separate island in the way that like Terra is, right? Where you have to like onboard to Terra. Um, like like ThorChain is kind of just like sitting between all these various islands and allowing you to swap between them. So, you know, to use, like to get to Rune, for example, like you can use something like ThorSwap or any of the other front ends to swap into native like real thorchain rune um you know from any of the other coins or tokens that are that are integrated in thorchain so um you know in in the kucoin example uh and and by the way yeah like i'm, I'm in the same boat because i'm a lunatic too and uh when i want to get from ust to rune right now that's kind of like still the one area where i'm like hmm yeah like this is there, there's not really uh any great way to do this so i'll still kind of use the old KuCoin bridge uh, for that as well, uh, unfortunately. But as I'm sure you know, like in the coming weeks, like that'll be a single swap, which will be cool. So for me, what I usually do is, um, you know, if, if you're already, if you're still using something like KuCoin and, and you are using a centralized exchange, then I would just buy anything that you can swap uh, like on a ThorChain DEX to, to Rune. And then you'll get to use it and you'll get to do a real cross-chain swap and kind of in doing that, you'll kind of see the magic for the first time, which no, no, is no, really I, cool. I, yeah. I, I, think, I think I get that, you know, so like, you know, how, how we, you know, basically brought in, you know, fiat 
into osmosis is through Adam. We, we, we kind of understand that, but I guess what I'm saying is that in the, in the, uh, the lunatic space, there's a lot of really good postings to say step one, step two, step three, right? Um, and there, that doesn't exist for room. So you said, oh yeah, there'll be a Binance bridge. Well, there's no step one, step two, step three, you know, that, you know, I can handle out, hand out to a bunch of different people. You know, I can certainly fuddle around this, you know, between midnight and 3 a.m. and figure it out. But that's not what people do. They're kind of looking for step one, step two, step three. And yes, I should not have DCA'd, you know, Rune, I guess. Over the last couple months, I should have just DCA'd BTC or something like that and converted over to Rune. But the fact that Rune isn't on its own chain and, you know, wasn't obvious in the chaos of two months ago... <laughs> So, so you know, again, we're used to buying a QCoin, something that we can transfer over from, you know, QCoin on its own chain to the thing, and that those steps don't exist. And if you go back, and, and if you were there, you remember how we, whatever, months ago, three, four, five months ago, had this lots of discussions about onboarding, right, and how to on board and what's the cheapest path to bring in fiat or whatever else and that that discussion has not yet existed for rune okay and just 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 letting you know yeah um no that, that, that's fair uh this is actually something i'm personally uh trying to trying to work on with Thorswap, doing like tutorials and guides and stuff like that i actually just pinned one um so if anyone is in that situation where you have the binance bep2 rune um it, it, there's a walkthrough of actually a couple different ways you can do it because you can just do a one-to-one -one upgrade which is uh pretty simple um or you can uh kind of like arbit because right now the bep2 binance version is is trading for more but yeah you know i mean ideally like the centralized exchanges would just uh n just have native um but like at the same time Th Thorchain is kind of like the antithesis to uh centralized exchanges right so um yeah i mean if you have been dollar cost averaging into into bep2 rune um like you're not in a bad spot i mean you're still having exposure to it but you know to actually get that um, over to be useful in Thorchain, like to be able to swap or to be able to liquidity pool. Um, yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to convert it to, to native. So you could basically just you could basically just trade it to to Bitcoin, Litecoin, Doge. You know, even Ethereum though it have would have the higher uh, gas fees. Or what I usually do is BNB, just because it's really uh, low fee and cheap. And then you could just swap that. Uh, using like a Thor swap to, to native rune. Um, or you can just do the one-to-one -one upgrade, which is a little bit simpler, but um, you know, right now there's, there's the, there's the ARB opportunity, unless you like, you know, we're trying to like avoid, like you didn't want like a taxable event or something like that, then you might just want to do the upgrade. But yeah, um, definitely agree generally, like, you know, ideally these things would be simpler. And I think we're, uh, you know, as a community, like definitely wanting to definitely want to get the education out there and simplify so if, whenever you have thoughts like that, you know, uh, let everyone know. I think, I think you have, a, you did a genius move in using the Terra station wallet, right? Because, you know, quite frankly, nobody wants really in this period of time with incredible changes to go do another wallet. You know, so we already have to navigate through Kepler 
you know, Terra Station and MetaMask, right? We don't want to really add a fourth wallet. So genius move and in integrating with a Terra wallet, you know. So congrats to that insight. So uh, thank you very much. Well, one yeah, thing well, I'd uh, like to say is that you don't need Rune to participate in the network. Like you can, they, they, all these swaps are available without ever touching Rune. And once Luna is integrated, that includes all Luna transactions to any other supported chain on the network. So for like, if we're getting like cash in, you, you're going to need to onboard with the with the centralized exchange and then swap whatever um, you can buy on that exchange on the ThorChain network. But you don't actually need Rune to participate or even to I, LP. You can just put Luna in. No, no, no. I, I think we understand that, or at least put it this way. I understand that. I'm, I'm just trying to give you some insight into like a lunatic kind of attitude, which is like we don't yet have a DCA sitting on top of Terra for anything, and neither does Osmosis, okay? So we think in terms of, a lot of us think in terms of like using Qcoin's DCA, you know, transfer UST into Qcoin's really cheap, and then go use Qcoin's DCA over extended periods of time for what we perceive as what Terra is going to partner with. You know, we, we think there's going to be B Atom, we think there's going to be Rune, we think there's going to be B Sol, there's going to be B whatever it is, okay? And so we use Qcoin. And as soon as there is a DCA sitting on side of Terra, I think the, the Qcoin traffic is going to like dramatically go away, okay? So Qcoin is used for, for, for DCA and for onboarding. And, you know, for me, you know, I don't onboard any fiat anymore because, you know, basically Anchor is <laughs> such a powerfully, you know, successful tool to, to generate UST. And that's the way a lot of people kind of feel about it. it you know, we, we have our fiat in place, but we still use Qcoin for this little tiny tool. So, and again, great job on this. Thank you very much. Yeah, cool. Um, just to clarify real quick. So yeah, the DCA referring to, to dollar cost averaging. So yeah, you know, I think that's like a general kind of uh, like the on-ramp problem is still like a broader um, crypto problem to solve. And, and and you're spot on. Yeah, you know, like that's still like a, like still the most centralized part of all of crypto, I guess, right? Is you need a way to get in. But the cool thing, um, at least how I think about ThorChain is that like, I think of the, the on-ramp problem as kind of like de pretty detached from like ThorChain itself, right? Because really you just need to on-ramp to any crypto that's compatible and then you, you can just use that with ThorChain. Like it's not like ThorChain is this like special amusement park part of crypto where you have to like have a special ticket to get in or whatever it's more just like yeah we need a way to you know to onboard um so yeah you know i i'm with you i i hope that there will be you know more solutions to that over time and then the front ends can of course integrate that and, and make it closer to where you'll actually be using thorchain but it's kind right. of like at least i kind of view it as like sort of separate you know yeah, that, that, that's a good point. Like, um, you, but the front ends, because as Marty was saying earlier, that like nobody wants to add a fourth wallet or fifth wallet or whatever it is, and I totally get that. I'm, I am one of those people. I think hopefully the intention is because Thorchain is completely permissionless and doesn't really require much at all, you know, to, to transact on it, um, which is part of the design proposition of what, how it was 
thought about in the earlier days is that like you don't have to necessarily add a fourth or fifth wallet. That's true today because we because when we when the launch when the network is launched, there need to be a, a mechanism to be able to trade on it, and and no wallet's going to you know integrate it on day 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 one more or less with the exception with the exception of shapeshift. <laughs> but uh, but in general, like I would love to see you know. Uh, Terra Station integrated in, in itself, and and Kepler integrated, and Trust Wallet, and Exodus, and Ledger, and Tezos, and you know all the other wallets kind of integrate with Thorchain um, because it's a decentralized uh, dex that they have available to them. And then when you ask that question, well, how am I going to get Rune? It's just, well, you just have you already have in your wallet, you just don't know it's there, and so you can just acquire it in that moment. But we're not there yet. We're still early in the, in the project, you know, so early in many sense. And so it, it will get there over time. Hopefully by the end of the year, we'll have a, a few more wallet integrations, uh, especially, especially for the big ones that we're trying, we're trying to talk to and, and line if we can. But I think you're right. I think that's a, it's a strong sentiment to express. Thanks. Uh, let's, let's move to uh, Dan from BlockWorks. Hello. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me back up. Uh, yeah, I just have a question about the, the Terra integration and sort of essentially what the initial bootstrapping of those pools look like. Uh, so I was combing through Doquan's tweets the other day and I filtered for Thorchain and he certainly has some bullish opinions on Thorchain and kind of the value that that can bring to the crypto ecosystem. And uh, earlier today, one of my buddies reached out to me and let me know that the LFG, the Luna Foundation Guard wallet, uh, sent uh, I think it was, yeah, 5 million Luna to an, a different wallet. Uh, and that wallet is every one minute is burning 1,000 Luna into UST. And so I have no idea what the purpose of that wallet is going to be. But it did get me thinking, you know, with the Doquan Bullish Thorchain tweets uh, and then just the fact of LFG doing everything to defend the UST peg. Uh, is there any, has there been any informal or formal conversations that we know of that have uh, occurred between, you know, maybe someone in the Thorchain community and some of these terror whales that are willing to kind of put up some capital and get these pool, uh, the initial UST and Luna pools up and running? Um, um, well, so I, I'm only uh, able to say certain things, which unfortunately isn't much. Um, uh, there is efforts being taken taken place to ensure that when the pools do launch, uh, whenever that is, like in a week or whatever whatever the timeline is going to be, that it does launch with sufficient amount of capital. Um, hopefully, you know, a few million. I'm hoping. Uh, and each to start with, and then over the course of that, you know, following week or two weeks, uh, I would expect to see more volume, more liquidity can add to those pools, um, and from you know important people within the, the Terra community, important people within the Thorchain community, and kind of combine together, matter speaking. But I can't actually comment on LFG or, or what they're doing there because I don't really particularly know offhand, and I can't kind of talk about. Uh, any conversations that were happening between the Thorchain and and, and Terra team, um, like devs or teams, as some of that conversation is, is kept under wraps for for good reason. But um, but all good stuff. All trying to uh, achieve the same goal of of get Luna UST to be more liquid, be more readily available to more assets, and all that kind of stuff. Right. That totally makes sense. And I understand where you're coming from on that. It just uh, when I saw us a little bit of an unusual activity going on in the LFG wallet, it, it just kind of got me thinking, you know, one of their core purposes is, is if not the core purpose is to defend the UST peg uh, and the value of uh, another external 
large pool uh, being on Thorchain would be very valuable to defending that peg. So yeah, just got me thinking, but yeah, totally understand yeah. where you're coming from on that. Totally agree. It, the, the more liquid the UST pool is on Thorchain, the more, you know, more bullish it is for, for UST itself uh, for many reasons. For me, one, you have a much more liquid way of getting in and out of the coin, which is always a positive thing, especially for stables. But also, um, it means that the that the the, the um, trade volume would be higher on that on that token, right? Also, it would probably become like the number one stable coin on Thorchain uh, in terms of depth of trade volume. Right now, it's BUSD, and BUSD is getting like fifty percent yield or some crazy number like this, which is just such a ludicrously high yield. And largely because it's just the, the cheap and the fast stable coin. I, I don't, I'm not sure those people actually really love BSD particularly, but it's just kind of the, the, the most cheapest and the fastest stable coin that exists within the network right now. And it's kind of by far beating USDT and USDC because it's not as uh, expensive. Um, and because the pool is deeper, the, the trade fees are smaller. So it's better for arbitrages bots to use that as kind of their, their kind of base asset or, you know, or their, their, um, their effort they start and end with effectively, you know, and I'm hoping that uh, when USD get that, that it'll surpass BUSD uh, and become the, the stronger stable coin. Yep. I totally agree with that. Uh, you know, I know personally, if I'm moving through US, uh, I want to move through the US dollar on Thorchain, it's, it's the BUSD pool to, to save on fees. Um, and uh, I do have some runes set aside, just kind of waiting for that UST pool uh, to get come online because I'm definitely, definitely going to be throwing some, uh, throwing some rune in there to, to try to uh, get some of that yield that, yeah, I think last time I looked, BUSD was at like 60%, which I totally agree. That's that's a, a crazy high APY to be passing up on. So I'm super excited to see uh, what this Luna integration brings for the UST pool. And uh, yeah, I appreciate your insights on this. No worries. Thanks. Uh, next, Brother Muzone from New York. Hey, guys. I uh, just wanted to ask about the, the price spread on the the native rune versus uh, Bep2 and, and exchange rune. Uh, is, is there anything being done to kind of address that problem? Yeah, um, we've talked about this in the past and kind of debated within the, the dev team uh, as well as within the community about what there's could be, what we could do, we do, what we could do to address that. Um, I think in the end, because the, uh, the, the peg is only one direction, uh, there's a bottom to what BEP2 can be worth, but not top, effectively. And uh, the intention to, to make that more more stable is probably just not worth the, the dev efforts to, to do something bidirectional because um, all of the, of the native rune in Thorchain, every last coin, um, has all been minted from the, the BEP2 or from ERC20. So that, that maintains the... Uh, the monetary policy of the asset. And so I think the long-term uh, thinking, at least at this point in time, um, is that the the BEP2 and the ERC20 versions of Rune are, are just there um, uh, as kind of corrupt from an earlier version of the network. And, you know, the, the base asset of the entire kind of ecosystem should be native Rune. Because technically speaking, in some sense, you can see BEP2 as the base asset in some sense because it is kind of lower in the kind of the stack, if you want to look at it that way, which is kind of true. Uh, and we kind of want to shed that in, entirely. So there's been discussions in the past about uh, starting to kill the kill switch, start kill the, um, the the switch from BEP2 to Rune and slowly over over a long period of time, uh, reduce the amount of uh, native room you get for burning, you know, one 
uh, but two room, you get you know 0.9 of native room or something like this to, to start incentivizing people to either like you know either either convert or don't convert or be killed in a sense. And so that once that happens, we can just get remove all this 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 distraction and complexity of having like three different rune assets, which is super con- confusing, especially to new people coming into the space. They're just like, what do I buy? I don't know. There's this, and there's, there's also Thor token, which is another kind of confusing element to the whole, like to a new person coming into the space. Um, but I don't think there's going to be any arbitrage opportunity uh, other than people just manually going from that to, as um, Thoreau was saying earlier. Uh, and eventually, I think we'll probably just kill those tokens entirely through killing the kill switch, so to speak. Interesting. Because I, I know for me personally, it's it's limiting my ability to, to provide liquidity, right? Because I, I have some there and, uh, and I got to weigh the difference, the, the pros and cons of getting some of the yields of providing liquidity versus having my, you know, $5 and 80 versus 509 or whatever it is today. Yeah. But the, the thing you have to remember though, is that, that um, uh, people forget this a lot, especially in the meme coins, because uh, they see the prices, you know, X come out like, Oh yeah, it's worth this much, but it's only worth what you can actually get out. Right. And so the, the problem with the bet to ruin asset at this point is that, it's increasingly becoming more and more illiquid, right? At, relative to what Rune is trading in the hundreds of millions, whatever. And so, native um, Rune that is. Um, and so, like, um, so like, I think it's over time it's going to become more and more illiquid. And by doing so, like, what can you actually get for it? It becomes part of the conversation. And so, as soon as we start this process to to kill the switch, that liquidity is going to drop pretty fast pretty drastically and so uh, keep that in mind when you're thinking about it but even if you are getting you know a, a, a 40 cent difference or 50 cent difference whatever it is you can it's probably worth it just to jump into the busd pool for example and you're, you're going to make back that differential uh even if you just don't even even if you just use a switch and you don't use an arbitrage opportunity and swap you're still going to make that yield on the asset whereas that too you're not making any yield on it at all it's just a pure speculative um passive asset so it makes more sense logically to me, even with the price difference, just to swap it into native rune and then, um, you know, put it into a, one of the pools and earn yield on it. So do you see the exchanges eventually supporting native rune? Um, I hope so, to some degree. Um, we've had many conversations over the past with many different exchanges, and um, it's I have very um, have strong feelings about uh, about exchanges and how difficult it is. Not even just difficult, but just like how much um, red tape there is, um, and you know bullshit, and then the cost, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and then you provide them tons of liquidity, and in the end, it, it, it actually at some point kind of poses a threat to, to the rune asset because if you look at Binance right now. Like Binance has like on their cold wall, it has like 30 million rune or some ridiculously high quantity. That's all because of, you know, in part, mostly because of the deal that we, we had to make them to get listed on that app, that, on that on that exchange. And it just becomes very, very problematic. I mean, look at, look at, if you look at Coinbase, for example, it's, I mean, they recently launched a coin that was um, uh, universal basic income for, for pets. <laughs> Like they're launching the most silliest of coins, which is comical to me. Oh, we need UBI for, 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 for dogs. Like, what, what is this? Like, this is what you're, you know, 
Meanwhile, it's something that is actually a value that actually solves a real problem in the world. You know, they're just going to like, they, they gave us, the reason why they didn't list Thorchain um, for Coinbase is because they wanted us to integrate with uh, their Rosetta project. And if you have no idea what the hell that is, okay, right. <laughs> Nobody knows what the hell it is. It's their attempt to create like a universal API uh, and for mobile blockchain backends. But the, what's so comical about it is that like at the time there was only like, you know, four or five chains supported. Um, and of, of those, you've probably never heard of most of those, those chains, the vast majority of them. Yet there are, you know, and, you know, uh, adding all these other coins back and forth. To me, it's just like, I don't understand. It has no logical reasoning, right? So I find it very frustrating when I never, I do talk to Central Exchange about listing native rune on their, on their exchange. It just, the, the amount of red tape and ridiculousness um, and, you know, it just, it's really frustrating. Uh, and it, it doesn't make me feel, you know, bullish in the, in the least about the future of, um, of central exchanges. If everything is such a, you know, it's a pay for service. You have to pay them vast quantities of money. Even if you're a shit coin, it doesn't matter. Just pay them a bunch of money and, and maybe they'll do it at that point. And it's, it just doesn't feel right at all. It, it doesn't actually work with the, the ethos of crypto. It's it's quite antithetical. It's it's taking the corporate mentality, you know, and then trying to it, 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 and superimpose it on top of more pure and more clean ideals of what crypto stands for. And to me, I just I'm just so um, annoyed by that shit. To be honest. All right. Thanks for the chat. Yeah. I would just quickly add. Um, in regards to like the price difference is that by, by holding BEP two rune and kind of speculating on that, um, I kind of see it as just, you're basically speculating that the ARB is going to get bigger than it is now, because otherwise you, um, like Chad said, you can only sell it for what you can sell that asset for. Right. So right now you could sell, um, you know, you could sell 500 rune for, for, for $6 or whatever, but then you would buy, 550 rune for um five whatever right so then you're 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 basically like locking in that gap right now and you're just ending up with more rune um more native real rune at the lower price and then if the if the gap goes back to one to one and you didn't take that uh arb then you you actually kind of lost so the only way you would really win in this scenario is if you're betting on the gap being larger in the future at least that, that's the way that that i see it so for, for me like you know native is is the way to go and um uh, i just want to lock that in um i mean i've only had native for a while anyways but personally if i had bep2 right now i would be all over taking that gap and i would just be super pumped to have 10 percent more more rune and then um be set you know got it thanks muzone uh arno is up here welcome back Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I just want to add something real quick, and I'm not sure if it, if it addresses some of the questions that were asked, but um, I'm using Thor Wallet, um, and there is an option where you can upgrade your – oh, I guess the picture got cut off. I'm sorry about that. There's an option where you can effortlessly upgrade your BP rune um, to native rune uh, within the wallet. Um, I believe you'll need a little bit of BSC. I'm not sure um, for for the gas to accommodate that, but it's a one like it's it, it's a simple um, simple way to do it. I haven't tested it per se since I don't have any BP rune, but I would recommend if someone wants to test it and see if if that solves any of the issues. 
with the upgrade. And also, I believe Thor Wallet, um, it's, a, it's a Swiss made um, uh, application. Uh, and they've been really great. I've been using them and I like them. Uh, I believe they're working on fiat onboarding um, with projected ETA of by the end of the year. So hopefully that helps and adds some value to the conversation. Thanks. Yeah, I would only add, um, and that, that's a great way to do it, and it's uh, really simple. I would only say that that is the the one to one style upgrade. So you know, right now with this like price difference, um, a lot of people are considering the more roundabout way, which is to kind of like sell it and then rebuy it. But you're totally right, and um, you definitely can do it that way. Um, you would just be you would just be one to one converting though. So one rune equals one BEP two rune equals one native rune. Um, but yeah, you would just send your BEP two Binance rune to your Binance chain address in in Thor wallet, and then yeah, you need a tiny bit of BNB. And just to clarify, it's 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 BEP two BNB Binance chain, um, not Binance Smart Chain. But um, yeah, it's like a tiny 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 fee. Like you're talking like two pennies or, or whatever but you just need to have it in there um and then yeah it's just like one like two second transaction and and you've got your native but yeah cool so we've thanks, also, yeah thanks nervin's here oh go yeah. nervin hello thanks hi guys um so the first question is is actually regarding the that two way uh, bridge with Beth Rune as well. Uh, with uh, wanted to ch- uh, ask with uh, ask Chad this. So Chad, like if we open like a two way bridge between Beth Rune and Native Rune, like the volume will instantly double at least like arbitrage. You know, like a lot of people will will want to will be able to sell it at the exact price that you know it shows on the CoinGecko page and stuff like that. Or it would benefit both LPs and bonders, right? With with so. Weighing the cost versus benefit, like, do you think that, you know, how difficult would it be or, you know, what's the, like, do you at least see the benefit of adding a two-way bridge uh, between the prune and native rune? And, you know, how do you think about that? Um, yeah, we the core team has discussed the idea of creating a two-way bridge. Um, the problem that I have with it personally, just as a technical individual, is that, um it means that we have to we have to uh, maintain that two room within the network, and right now it, it doesn't so much happen. We receive that two room, and then it basically just gets burnt. It just gets sent out to uh, the admin a wallet in the, the Binance system, and then the whole thing just gets burnt. So it happens like routinely every month or so. And so if we did something where we actually created you know a, a room asked that two room that's not considered to be room effectively because. That would require a good amount of code changes um, that probably isn't worth the, the amount of time that it takes to do so. And it could potentially even um, open up some security issues as well because the native room uh, asset is minted from the BEP2 room asset. And so if you get to a situation where um, that could be kind of exploited in some kind of way that creates more additional risk. Right now, the only way you can interact with ThorChain with BEP2 room is through the switch. And it's very carefully planned and carefully plotted kind of system. And so adding more mechanisms is just going and going to create more risk. And then being able to, you know, uh, have some of that bathroom room stay in the network and churn to the next, the, the next Asgard vaults for the pools, but then the other ones get sent back to the, uh, uh, the BEP2 kind of uh, finance wallet that burns it all becomes kind of, you know, a, a kind of a juggling thing in a sense. And so just trying to avoid creating additional complexity when it's really not 
needed in a sense. Eventually, we're just going to kill that too entirely. And so having a pool would have been destroyed anyway, eventually anyway. So it doesn't seem like it's worth the engineering time and potential security risk to, to do something like that. Do you think that when the kill switch is activated and it goes from 100% to 99%, um, you know, redeemability, like, I, I'm just worried that exchanges might still not prioritize uh, maybe rune. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to, uh, you know, a lot of people are just, just buying rune for, you know, in Binance and just keeping it there. And, and uh, it, there's still value to that, right? Like that's a lot of buy volume and, and then, you know, arbitrage and it just it still benefits the, Thorchain ecosystem because you know price increases, more LPs can join in and stuff like that. So I feel like it could still benefit uh, the Thorchain ecosystem a lot. But uh, yeah, that's true. But I think part of the design of the network is that it, it tries to get as much of, as a percentage of the room to be active in the network, either providing capital, uh, being an LP, or or providing security on the on the node side. And so anything outside of that. It is purely people are going to hold that for speculative purposes, which individuals can choose to do that if they want to. But we're, it's probably not best for the network's long-term interest to, um, you know, not kill that too, just because we want to maintain, you know, Binance as a centralized exchange to get in and out of um, our room. Um, in the end, I think Torchain is trying to make the need for centralized exchanges significantly less. And I, I think we should probably eat our own dog food to some, to some regard. But if in any any exchange that wants to add a native room as a as an asset, any central exchange, then they can go ahead and do so. It doesn't require permission. They can just add it tomorrow. And they, if they want to do it, go right ahead. And if they don't, well then, that's up to them to decide what they want to do for themselves. Right, that makes sense. Uh, I have one last question. It was uh, regarding ILP, right? So a lot of people. Uh... Like for example, Bitcoin, um, you know, Bitcoiners, I guess, Bitcoin maximalists, they would just love to be able to, you know, do asymmetric liquidity with just Bitcoin, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I was wondering how difficult it would be for the protocol to support uh, impermanent loss protection, but just for asymmetric. Like, how much more cost would there be? Would it be worth it? Worth doing it just to, you know, have uh, LPs at at ease, just provide Bitcoin liquidity after 100 days? You'll at least have that. So, how how difficult would it be from a protocol perspective to do that? Uh, it wouldn't be difficult from a protocol perspective if we wanted to implement something like that. Um, it wouldn't be all that complicated. But uh, I would probably not advise that in a sense because what naturally happens in that scenario, if you're saying that, okay, if you put in 10 Bitcoin to the Bitcoin pool and then come back later, 100, 100 days later, and you have, you're guaranteed to have 10 Bitcoin away from the way out, um, that, be, that basically makes it so that the – that um, the reserve is underwriting the price movements of Bitcoin itself, which is different from what ILP does now. And so in the event that, um, let's say Bitcoin outperforms Rune, and let's say it's you know 2x or 3x what Rune is, let's just say in a hypothetical, that would mean that the amount of Bitcoin in the pool has gone down and the amount of Rune in the pool has gone up by you know two or three x depending upon the price movement which means that there's no longer you know enough bitcoin in the pool to satisfy the bitcoin you know one-on-one -on -one people who just wanted to do bitcoin only in which case what that means is the network has to use the reserve to swap to bitcoin and then give you what they want and then allow arbitrage to put the bitcoin back into the system to replenish the kind of the pool in a sense and so that, that's probably not what we want to do 
that puts too much um, risk on the reserve. Uh, it, it, it's kind of in, impressive by itself, the fact that this network does ILP, because almost no other network in the, in the industry does it, with the exception of Bancor, that I'm aware of at least. Um, and so to do it for a single asset exposure would be uh, impractical from a from an economics perspective. Um, yeah, but that being said, um, if you want to get earn Bitcoin, your Bitcoin, that is something that is planned as part of core savings. So you can deposit you know, ten BDC um, after swap fees and such. You might get you know nine point eight or or some number, whatever the hell it's going to be. Um, and then you can earn yield on that uh, BDC, and you'd be guaranteed to get that nine BDC back plus the yield that that never, that the uh, the system generates for you. So that's coming. What you're what you're desiring, what you what you're kind of kind of poking at. But we can't do it in the way that you're 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 thinking. Cool. Good to know. Thank you, Chad. Yep. We also have uh, Titans Energy. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Um, I think this will be just a very basic question. Um, since, uh, let's say, I, or actually, I don't use Binance Smart Chain. So normally, when I jump to KuCoin, I use XLM. So uh, is there a possibility that I can just move XLM to Rune and swap it for Rune? Um, this may be a very basic question or a dumb question, but that, that's the question I wanted to ask. Thank you, guys. Uh, Cow or Chad, you want to take this one? Yeah, what, what chain is uh, XOM on? Oh, no, it's its own chain, um, Stellar, if you heard about it. Um, basically, you can. It, it doesn't have a pegged smart chain or anything. You can move it from anywhere to anywhere as long as you have the supporting capability of XLM. Um, like for example, um, I buy, I can buy XLM in um, Exodus for the, uh, I can exchange for what I have, or I can go to Coinbase or any centralized exchange by XLM. Um, since uh, in the US you cannot KYC to KuCoin, uh, I just move XLM to KuCoin and change it to um, whatever trading pair I want to buy the asset, whether it's Tether, whether it's whether it's BTC, or whether whatever the asset I want is pegged to, uh, I can always convert XLM um, over there. And I have like in order for me to move Ethereum coins from just from wallet to wallet. I always um, kind of struggled how to look at this. Can I just buy it directly from somewhere and shoot it to the storage area rather than trying to move it? Um, I always use XLM uh, because it's been very helpful in the way of how you manage your wallets and assets. I don't know if that's a good explanation, but you can look into that. Maybe uh, that might help you um, for... People, if you don't, if if like I didn't know the Rosetta and all that thing was that was a thing, so that was that was a good um, thought for the day or something I can look into. Um, but yeah, if if you need to circumvent centralized exchanges, maybe um, XLM is obviously an entity which created it. But if it's decentralizedly used, uh, maybe you guys can leverage that as well. Is something I had thought about. So I mean, to answer your question at the beginning, uh, to swap. For, for Rune specifically, you'd need an asset that's supported on the ThorChain network unless you're using a centralized exchange. But uh, I, I like to think that the best way to buy Rune is just buying the native asset. That's by swapping anything that's supported 
on Thorchains. That's native Bitcoin, native Ethereum, native BNB, uh, Doge, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, uh, any of these things. So if, if you're trying to get from uh, XLM to Rune right now, the best way would be to swap your XLM for one of those assets and then to use uh, an interface like like DoorSwap, AsgardX, or uh, another okay. Thor, uh, like DoorChain product. Okay, got it. Thank you, guys. So, is there anyone else that has uh, questions for this week? And uh, we do these every single week, so uh, there's no rush to get your burning question out right now, uh, unless you want to come up. There's one more question. We let them up. Stacking Monero. Hey, guys. Well, Thanks. A uh, couple, uh, couple quick questions, I guess. Uh, one... I heard you guys mention there was 30 million or so uh, BEP rune on Binance. I was curious what that number started at and how much has been purchased on Binance and moved over to native. That, to be honest, I don't really quite know. Okay. Uh, I don't recall. Yeah. Okay. No worries. Um, second question was <clears throat> after this whole uh, Luna integration, are we looking at integrating other IBC chains or is what is the next step after Luna? Uh, after Luna, I think the next chain that has gotten the most kind of talk, I guess, um, is uh, the Gaia chain or, or, or Atom. I think that would be the next one. Um, there's also kind of push to do some um, EVM, more EVM chains, uh, like you know, Phantom or Avalanche or something of this nature. Um, we tried to investigate doing Solana, uh, but unfortunately Solana's nodes are so so monstrously large, the re- system requirements are so astronomically large that it would be very, very, very difficult for node operators to, to support that. That's because most node operators are, are running on some sort of cloud infrastructure. There's a, I think there's like six different providers right now that are being spread across. Uh, but none of them provide systems that are uh, that are big enough to support a Solana node. Uh, you have to run that in bare metal, like in your house or something like this, and uh, it, that might be very uh, exceedingly difficult for maybe some of the node operators. Um, so we'll see how kind of the, the industry kind of changes, and maybe like downstream Solana will come out with a kind of a light node that we could utilize that doesn't require so much intense uh, stuff, but. We have to kind of wait and see in that regard. But I think next is probably Gaia. And then after that, um, maybe one of the uh, EVM chains out there, by a smart chain, Phantom, Avalanche. I'm not really sure which one. Okay. What What is the overhead of adding additional IBC chains once Terra integration is done? Is it pretty low? Uh, it's, it's, fair, it's relatively low. Uh, it still takes a considerable amount of time. Um, the, the coding of the chain integration is relatively low. But the building of the infrastructure, building the um, the smoke tests, uh, and then validating, testing, you know, all that stuff, that's still cost the same, even if it's a chain that you, uh, we've already implemented previously. The, the savings is what are the dev effort about actually building the chain client itself. And of course, you still have to build the chain client, but you just copy and paste the, the, the previous one and then make a few tweaks here and there. Nothing, nothing too severe in terms of that kind of stuff. Cool. Cool. Okay. Well, that was my two questions. Thanks. Yeah. To to push on Monero here because of something your name is. uh, Haven's working on the the Haven chain chain client, which is, I think it's it's fundamentally, I think it's probably going to work. 
which is good news. Still more bugs to work out and more things to change within Thornode to, to support such a complex, difficult chain. Uh, Monero, though, is more difficult than Haven, even though Haven's a, a fork of Monero, because Monero has a limitation of, of memo size of 16 bytes versus the smallest one that the Thorchain supports right now is, is um, Bitcoin, which is 80 bytes. So 16 bytes is very, 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 very small, impractically small. And so in order to support Monero, we'd, we'd have to create a whole new mechanism to, to be able to put transactional intent in a 16-byte memo, which, you know, is not necessarily the easiest thing in the world to do. We have a plan on how that can be accomplished, so it's, it's a solvable issue, but it's just going to require more, more energy, more work to, to get it done. So, so we'll see Haven support at some point, but Monero coming later, probably. Yeah, Haven will probably come first, um, and which will be interesting because that'll be the first private chain, uh, and then hopefully Monero will come down downstream further, along with other privacy chains like um, Zcash and hopefully Secret Network and you know this kind of stuff. I'm hoping that in general the network will add you know, one new chain a month, more or less, kind of at, at that pace, give or, look, give or take. And so hopefully by the end of the year, we'll be close to, you know, supporting you know, 20-ish networks or so in total. Well, I, I think, I think speaking of secret network, I think that's, since it's IBC, I thought <clears throat> if you if we wanted to have privacy on ThorChain, that might be the easiest entry, you know, lowest lowest uh, cost to entry, I guess, because it's strictly IBC related and it's, I don't know, yeah, might be something good right. to look at. Also because and, and the, the secret token is not a privacy token, and so therefore right. it's easier to integrate with ThorChain because trying to re get through, the network needs to establish what actually happened on the external chain. And with something like ring signatures on Monero or Haven, it's like it's designed to have that not happen. Right, like a yeah. specific point in it, but Thorchain can't operate without having clarity of who's transacting where and why, how. Not why, but where you know funds are being moved from point A to point B. It needs to understand this in order to, for it to function. And so, something that has privacy by default, like Monero or Haven, that is inherently problematic from Thorchain's perspective, which is why we have to go through these extra things. It's like, okay, there's view keys to see the inbound traffic, and then we have to publish. Um, the private keys of a transaction, not so much the wallet, the transaction needs its own private key. And that needs to be published so that the rest of the nodes can understand it and confirm that a transaction took place, blah, blah, blah. It's really like a pain in the ass to, to get it to get it to work. But Secret Network and Zcash are not, the, are, you know, Secret Coin and then the Zcash coin within, depending upon the wallet, is not privacy enabled. Right, right. A Z, a Z wallet versus a T wallet, or whatever, whatever the hell it's called. And so that yeah. that changes things. That makes it easier for for blockchain to interface with, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. Yep. Yeah, just to quickly add, I think the aggregators play in here too, because um, in some cases, like the aggregator could. Um, be sooner than the actual Thorchain integration, right? So it's like as soon as you have any uh, Cosmos chain integrated, then an aggregator could like flesh out the other swaps to go through, um, or even for like EVM to EVM. Like as soon as there's one low cost EVM, then maybe an aggregator could use another bridge step uh, to do that. So, um, you know, like th this concept of like anything to anything. Um, can also kind of be achieved through that it, even before like, like like Solana for example it's like okay Solana uh, you know obviously has this huge difficulty but 
Um, that doesn't mean that it won't be able to still kind of like route through Thorchain. Um, yeah. Also want to say that we have uh, XCAB up here who is very familiar with the Haven integration. So uh, just want to say, hey, and uh, you know, let you speak for a minute. If you have some uh, some things you want to say about the Haven integration, especially. Well, I, you guys segued into me talking. I actually wanted to wait until the end because I was trying to be polite. You know, I don't want to just hijack and talk about Haven uh, every time I come on, but uh, especially when you guys are talking in the middle of Luna and and, and other things going on. But uh, I actually wanted to see if I could get some comments on. I mean, I think you guys know if you guys any of you follow me on Twitter, I pretty much drop any kind of information that I can find or dig up. It's kind, it's kind of one of the fun things for me. Uh, in all of this and being part of the community. So I actually today, um, somebody pointed me towards, and I'm not the most technical guy, but somebody pointed me towards Thorchain's GitLab. Uh, and then within there, there's a DevOps folder or tool chain, or I don't even have the probably the right terminology. Somebody was schooling me on it. And it looks like yesterday, uh, there was a Haven Core folder wallet tool chain created. Um, and it looks like somebody was working in it yesterday and somebody's also working in there today. So trying to read tea leaves and doing my best John Nash and connecting the dots, uh, in one of the sections of the readme, there's a little line that says, create a new merge request. So I'm wondering, should I be looking into that at all? Or is something happening soon? Or what you got for me, boys? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so the Haven team has been working on the chain integration for quite a long time, actually. And um, we've been working with them and advising them but they've been almost doing the entire, almost all of the coding themselves, which is great. That's how we want to happen in the future, that change integrate themselves into Thorchain rather than um, Thorchain devs doing it. And so we've been mostly being it. Yeah, so uh, a PR could be open pretty soon for this. It does not necessarily mean that it's ready to be you know, run on StageNet or, or, or um, MainNet. There needs to be more work done on the Thor node side to support the kind of the, the the, the differences of something like Haven, um, supporting the idea of like being able to publish view keys and, and transaction private keys, as I was mentioning earlier, um, among other things. And so we have to get that all functioning as well. So I don't think we're close to it yet in terms of launching something like Haven on Thorchain. I think we're probably still going to be, you know, at least two or three months away, uh, or maybe possibly even more. But th uh, this this change is. Um, huge. Um, it's a very difficult thing. I remember I was talking to somebody who uh, I won't name which which wallet, but they they built a very popular, very well known wallet, and everybody gave them. He was saying to me that everybody gave them like all these props when they added Monero because like Monero is notoriously difficult to interface with and, and and that kind of stuff. And so he, he was saying how, to me like how he can't imagine how how difficult the job is to integrate with crypto node, uh, crypto note chain like Haven or like Monero. And uh, yeah, so it, it, it takes a long time to build this opportunity. It's by far, it's, 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 it's probably always going to be the most difficult chain to interface with will be Haven or Monero, just because they have that, those ring signatures built into its core protocol, which is a really great feature, by the way, but it just makes it very difficult for us to interface with. <laughs> Sure. I actually, uh, uh, and I don't think, um, I don't think anybody in the community is under the impression that this isn't going to take a while. We yeah. just always, you know, we're, we're salivating at any little piece of information that we can get and, you know, trying to push that out. And, and, and it's, it's good. It's hype. You know, it, it feels nice to get some information and, and people like it. Can you say anything to as why the, why was this created yesterday on the GitLab? Or does that mean that somebody from your side is going to start playing with stuff or 
Like, I, 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 maybe it's because I don't understand GitHub or GitLab that well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, to be honest, I didn't even know something got merged yesterday on, on that regard. I didn't, I, to be honest. Uh, I've been in close communication with the person that's been working on the Haven Exchange integration and then kind of advising him and, and helping him work through bugs and issues that he's kind of running into or whatnot. Um, so I wouldn't read too much into it uh, other than development is, is ongoing. That's probably what I would come, come away with thinking. Excellent. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks. Uh, Chad, I don't know how, how much uh, time you have if you want to keep going with questions because there are, uh, you know, there's people who have been up before and there's uh, some other people. So maybe we can prioritize the people who haven't been up today yet. As long as there's questions to be answered, I'll I'll stay on as long as we can to answer them. All right. Let's do it. All right. We have. Can you hear me? Dot. Yes. Oh, yeah. Hi. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, Basically, I I came late, so I didn't hear everything, but I just wanted to know uh, I'm a heavy investor in Room, basically. And it's my main, like, basically, I'm a basketball player, and all the money I earn, like, I put it in Room. Like, I have a really big bag, and all I want to know is like wh- where it's gonna be, when it's gonna be mainnet. Yeah, uh, mainnet. We're probably uh, a month or two away, I think. Maybe, maybe more. I mean, the problem with the, uh, the, the label mainnet is like what defines of it, and I think there's still discussions about what that includes or doesn't include. Um, but I think we're probably, I'll say, two months is probably my best uh, guesstimation. Two months, two months. Okay, because um, Rune is to me is like a long term investment, so I plan on like holding it like a year or two or like three or more. I, I don't even know, like as long as I can. I I just want yeah. to make sure that it's really gonna increase over time. You know. Well, I, I hope so. Uh, that's that's part of the intent here is to make a successful network, and by doing so, the room price should follow with dairy. Uh, but I, you know, I, I always have to say, like, uh, as long as we keep on delivering, we keep on, you know, shipping new code, bug fixes, uh, new features, things that actually can, you know, contribute significant value to this to the greater space. Then the room price may fluctuate day to day, but over the long term, it should move in, in a certain direction. Okay, thank you so much. Not to give you anybody financial advice, or I'm not a financial advisor. Like oh yeah, yeah, no worries about that. <laughs> 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 yeah, thank you so much. Just a backdrop that uh, you know, Thorchain is a very serious infrastructure project for crypto. His, his vision is not over in uh, you know two, three, or, or, or four years. This is something that adds significant value to very, very high value assets like like Bitcoin. It, it just creates a, a whole new uh, way to interface with Bitcoin itself. And it's a very important long-term infrastructure project that's going to be around for uh, a very, very long time. So thank, thanks yeah. for sticking around. Yeah, because I started investing in it in uh, February 2021. It's basically when I started to get into crypto because I was in Forex before. And um, like Thorchain was the project with the most, it made the most sense to me because it's like a black hole to me. Like, like every crypto you like, basically it goes into. I don't know how to explain it in English because I'm French, but everything goes into like Torchain. Like you have to have to. If you like other cryptos, you have to like Torchain to me. So yeah, that's what I think. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming on board. Thank you so much. Hey, yeah. uh, okay, go uh, ahead. No, go, I was gonna say Matt H. Go ahead. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Appreciate you. Um, hey, I, I got three questions. Is is that all right? Yeah, man. Fire fire away. I'm here to answer. All right. So I got my first question is, um, can I 
put in liquidity pool with TGT at the moment, just TGT, because I tried to do it earlier. I, I, I can't. And if I can't, if I can't, how can I? You should be able to. I don't. Um, and oh, I got four questions, by the way. But this fourth question, I'm just going to integrate it with this question. Um, what's the importance of pooling an asset along with um along with what you call it the other asset that you can pull it with it was rune yeah yeah um it's just about um basically whatever assets you put into the network in a pool is the assets that you're going to get back later plus yield so if you're if you just want to you know you want well, you're just uh, a tgt fan and you don't really care much about the rune asset then you can just put tgt in and then get your your yield back in tgt um, that that being said, though, when you're putting in your TGT or your Rune or both of them or any combination, effectively what you're really doing is that you're you're acquiring, you're buying a percentage of the pool. And the pool is always comprised of Rune plus asset, so you're taking on the, the the financial exposure of the price movements of both assets in the pool at all times. Doesn't matter what you provide in. If you want to have just TGT, at, you know. So, um, um, exposure and not ruin exposure that's what we're building for savings for into the future and so that you'll be able to do that and not take on any uh any room exposure yeah right now um the 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 image of the tgt when i click on pooling i click on i click on tgt first and i click pool and then when i click pool that what it shows is the the rune is the only one um highlighted while the tgt is kind of you know dimmed dimmed in the background yeah i, I talked to the su support team over at, at thorwall and, and asked them this, this question i don't have a good, good answer for you personally awesome um next question i don't want to take your time much more um next question is um i was i was told that liquidity pooling does not um does not whatchamacallit and and right now I'm I'm standing on 900 Doge, so how is that not? I, I just want to make sure that I'm not getting the wrong idea, but I I I figured that's that's you know compounding the the. It's not necessarily compounding. I mean, it depends on how you look at it. Uh, and I would I would direct you over at LP University, LPU. They have some really great people over there to kind of help explain the intricacies of like LPing and, and how that kind of move, move works. But if you put in just Doge, 700 Doge the other day, and then, you know, some days in the future, you have 900 Doge, um, effectively what's happened is you've earned yield uh, on that. Uh, and, the, and the price movements have kind of shifted in a way that works, works well for you in a sense. Uh, is it compounding? Um, kind of, sort of. And the reason why that's kind of sort of is because uh, you're always earning yield on your LP position, including when your LP position increases. And so it's only not compounding when you put up $500 and you earn yield on $500 and you make $30 later, but you're still earning yield on the $500. In Thorchain's case, because you're earning yield on the $500 and then the $530 later and then the you know $560, some point for that. Technically, you can kind of consider it to be compounding, uh, although I'm not an accountant by any stretch of imagination. Um, but it's, it's a kind of an interesting uh, question to, to, to raise. Also, Matt, uh, one, one thing just to point out is that, like, you've been in the liquidity pools for a couple of days, and you, you haven't seen a, 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 that's about like a 30% increase, like 500 
Doge to 700 Doge. And a lot of that, well, that's completely due to uh, Rune increasing in price. So your position in the liquidity pools is always balanced between the two assets. So if Doge stays flat or goes down while Rune goes up, you're effectively selling Rune for Doge to balance out the 50-50 split of your position. So uh, if you look, you'd, you um, have less Rune than before, but you've gained more Doge. So it's, it's good to find a pool of two assets that you're very comfortable with and want to hold together and don't mind you know, trading one for the other in circumstances where they, they have big moves against each other, like, like a 30% move of Rune over Doge in, in the past couple of days. All right. I appreciate <clears throat> Go ahead, sir. Sorry. I th- yeah, sorry. You, thanks. You can go. You can go. Uh, M- MDZEJ. MJ. Yeah. Uh, hi there. Hi there. Uh, I would like to just ask one quick, quick, quick question, I believe. Uh, is there any plan for integration with uh, Layer 2 Ethereum? Plans for doing it at this time, but uh, I would think or I would hope that would happen at some point into the future. Which L2s, I don't really know. I, have a, I don't have a clear sense of which ones would be valuable, whether it be Polygon or optimism or arbitrum or or any of these things uh at some point that will be evaluated by the the dev team as well as the community to understand what is the one that makes the most sense but yeah torching can interface with l2s l1s side chains you know pretty much anything thanks a lot yeah and i would just add um yeah it's looking like there would be a low gas evm l1 uh before that so like avalanche ftm uh those are looking like potentially some of the next chains to be integrated. So, you know, who knows on timeline exactly, but that's coming, which is kind of similar. Thanks. Hi, thanks, Ben. Uh, We also have, uh, let's get uh, Dan and then Marty up here real quick. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me back up. Uh, I know we talked a lot about Thorfi on these spaces, but one thing, so, you know, obviously the sins are coming and then we'll be able to incorporate the uh, multi-chain collateral lending as well as the Thor saver. Uh, but one thing I just don't think I've heard much of, as much about is the, uh, the com- composites. So, you know, obviously with ThorChain and the liquidity pools, you have that one token to rune uh, structure, and it looks like the composites will give you that n number of tokens paired with rune structure, uh, which sort of gives you this ability to make ETF-like uh, liquidity pools. And that's something I'm really curious about if, you know, that plan's kind of been finalized uh, or if that's just a little bit further down the road, because, you know, I think I think the, the concept of being able to have a liquidity pool with you know maybe the five deepest stable coins on Thorchain or something a little more interesting like maybe the the top three largest assets on the network by market cap uh, i think that gives a really interesting structure to to what's the potentials of Thorchain. so i'm just curious if that's still in the plans or if that's a little further down the road yeah good question um it, it kind of fell off the, the 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 burner in some sense uh the idea of it um we I just wasn't confident of how valuable that was within the ecosystem. I mean, I think that um, what's most valuable is 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 driving the pools to become deeper and and have like more trade volume and like that kind. Of, but that's kind of priority number one in the matter of speaking. And and Thorify is all designed to help further that in in, in, in a major sense. Uh, composites is an idea we kind of uh, threw around uh, about a year ago as a, a potential. 
to create this kind of index-like thing like you, like you were referring to. And what's interesting is that the, the Thor USD design that we're going to be dropping at some point um, can be re-implemented to do, you know, a BDC design, Thor BDC, which is basically, you know, it could be Bitcoin plus WBDC plus RAMBDC, blah, blah, whatever, on, on multiple chains across multiple ecosystems all coming together to create a an index on Bitcoin as Thor USD, the index on stables. And so could you create an index that's on DeFi tokens or an index that's on, uh, you know, the top 10 deepest pools or five deepest pools or whatever? Uh, you could. It's a little bit different. The me mechanism is a little bit different because the pricing needs to be set differently. But uh, in theory, that's certainly possible. And so I think once we actually build Thor USD uh, and potentially the Thor BDC and Thor F and you know, this kind of stuff, um, the ability to create a composite like you're talking about, it becomes a lot easier, a lot lower hanging fruit in the matter of speaking. But I still don't know what they, uh, if the community would love to see this or not, if this is going to be a heavily utilized feature or, you know, something that nobody really utilizes all that much. Right. That, that makes sense. And that, uh, that kind of sequence of events or that ordering, I, I also do, do think that is a smart plan as well, just considering, you know, something like these composites and creating indexes is sort of like a, a fancy bells and whistles kind of thing, it feels like. Whereas, you know, creating synthetic assets, uh, maybe a Thor stablecoin and borrowing and lending platform as well, kind of, those kind of seem like, uh, you know, more liquidity driving events. So, yeah, that, that's awesome. And I'm glad to hear that's still kind of in the plans, but maybe a little further down the road. Because uh, I think, you know, personally, I find that super intriguing and, and would love to kind of dive into what the implications of that could be. Uh, but, yeah, it's also good to hear that you know we're focusing first on, on building out a strong network so so thanks for shedding a little light in that corner yeah no worries i, I think in terms of thorify the kind of order of operations as it sits today at least in my head is that um the first thing built would be thor usd and then the next thing would be the lending protocol because the lending requires thor usd and then after the lending will be the savers, Thor Savings, which requires lending to, for Thor Savings to function. And then once you've built those three things, which is kind of the major kind of V1, the first iteration of ThorFi, we can possibly get into, you know, ThorFi V2, which might include what you're talking about, composites or other kind of uh, primitives, maybe even like um, we were discussing the other day, the concept of being able to short out the network economically. Um, grow in a sense. So like, there's more things that can be built after V1, and composites being one, shorting is another idea, uh, all sorts of stuff that's theoretically possible. The question becomes what is valuable, what actually drives you know value to the room token, value to the network. And that becomes a, a, a pretty in-depth conversation. Right on, Chad. Wow, StoreChain V2. I didn't think I'd get more bullish, in here, and here we are. I appreciate it, Chad. Take care. You're welcome, brother. Okay, thanks for letting me talk again. So I'm a big fan of Haven and a big miner of Haven. You know, trying to get to 1% of the overall pool mining. Um, not pool mining, but Haven mining. So the the distinction for Haven for me is obviously you have the ring, but it has enough space to like, <laughs> unlike Monero. Um, but the thing that's most interesting to me is a privacy, you know, USD, XUSD, okay? Because as we've seen, and it will only continue to grow, you know, the issue of privacy under different situations, you know, whether it's the Ukraine or Canada or pick your favorite place, you know, my, my favorite places are generally Africa, um, where I spend my time, having a full privacy U.S. dollar equivalent 
is extremely interesting. And Secret doesn't get us that, obviously. It gets us other things, but it doesn't get us a pri full private USD. So, I, I think it does, actually. Uh, only on Secret. What do you mean, what do you mean like, only on Secret? I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to... It's. I think from my understanding of their tech, okay, in terms of default and non-default, is that I'm not going to have a, I'm not going to have a secret US. Okay. So, right. um, and as you're well aware, any, any stable coin is, is, is difficult. And theirs is particularly difficult in terms of their design. If you're into like this multi-basket, multi-reflective, multi, you know, they, they, they've really picked a hard thing. And I'm not saying that Tara's picked an easy thing, but certainly the people over on the shade side of the house have picked a very, very hard thing. But again, going back to XUSD, um, having a UST, you know, you, I'm sorry, XUSD pool, is that kind of in the plans here? That's kind of another question. Um, yeah, I'd actually, I would actually encourage that because um, for multitude reasons. One, X, XUSD is an interesting asset, um, and to have access to this network is uh, obviously a positive thing. But and within the Thor USD design, having more stable coins on the network, it just makes Thor USD stronger as, as a stable coin itself. It makes it actually more secure the more yep. stable coins we add to the network. So let's totally. bring on XUSD, let's bring on UST, let's bring on, you know, blah, 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 whatever else out there, you know. Just to further cement the uh, the security and the safetyness of of Thor USD, right? And, and I, again, from my view, is that you know XUSD is this potential dark horse with you know which takes you know a couple other national operations to happen, and all of a sudden people are interested in full privacy kind of USD for something that actually works, and it'd be great to have a place to go, which would be you. Kind of pumping from you know the Terra thirty six billion dollars worth of uh, UST that they want to mint this year. But again, I'm I'm super happy to hear that you guys are working on this and following it as intense intently as I can. Thank you. Yeah, I think having XUSD would be interesting because with Thorchain, uh, well, so UST itself is is trying to be a payment asset of the way to do payments, and maybe that will happen at some point in the future. I hope it does. In XUSD, you could hold your assets or your 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 stables in XUSD theoretically, and then when you want to pay to buy, you know, a hot dog someplace or whatever, you can just swap your XUSD to to UST and pay the, the you know the hot dog stand whatever you it is you owe a buck for a hot dog whatever the hell it is, and so that but by doing so you basically maintain your privacy so that that guy running the hot dog stand that never sees your actual wallet or or how much money you have or or any of these things. And that, that's, that's a very kind of important aspect for a lot of people who want privacy in their lives. Just to chime in real quick on this, and um, I'm kind of a noob when it comes to the privacy stuff and, and, and learning, but as far as I would understand, correct me if I'm wrong, but like as soon as something like a Haven was integrated, you could go from, say, UST to Haven to like another Haven wallet and then to back through ThorChain uh, to a fresh UST wallet right or Terra wallet so um yeah there's like really interesting privacy implications what like for for really all the chains uh connected with thor chain as soon as there's any sort of uh privacy coin so yeah i just want to throw that in 
That's true, uh, but it's not as not quite that simple because if you take 100 BDC and you swap it into you know Haven or, or, or 100 BDC is a lot, but it was one BDC, whatever you want, or government agency with, that has three characters in its name, uh, you know, could probably decipher that pretty easily, right? And I actually I actually give more credence to you know the the NSA or the FBI or whatever the hell it is that like. Privacy coins probably are not as private as people think that they are. I think the governments are probably very smart at this. They're very good at this kind of thing. And so they could probably decode what's happening on uh, most of these privacy chains, if not all of them, to, at least to a, to a high degree, not to necessarily 100% degree, but at least to a high degree. That's, that's probably true. Just because they're very, you know, they have some of the smartest people in the world working on this kind of stuff. I, I don't uh, throw it past them. So if you are going to do something like that, you know, we want to do it kind of smartly and, and, you know, wait some time period and take a partial amount of that BDC to the full amount and you randomly number generate how many BDC you're going to pull out. And from the one you're going to do, okay, I'm going to do randomly generate 0.34572.86, you know, BDC or something, you know, like that, just to kind of further give yourself some kind of protection, privacy protection. But that's going to be always like the struggle with privacy is that like you're, you're trying to, to maintain your privacy, but just, you'll never know whether or not you actually are maintaining your privacy, whether or not governments are actually able to decipher your transactions from, from other people's and actually know what you're transacting. And that's that's going to be a difficult thing for the, for the community, for sure. For sure. Great point. Yeah, I had thought of that. And I, I guess it does kind of solve like the, the hot dog example, though, right? Because like, say you sent one BTC over and then you just sent like, you know, a few hundred bucks uh, to a fresh Terra wallet or something like that. Like, most likely the, the hot dog stand guy isn't going to be too concerned with that or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I, that that's good to add for sure. That th- clarifies it. I think the hot dog solution is going to be available on Terra within, you know, 30 to 60 days. It's just going to be done through mixers. You know, which has been the you know the classic Bitcoin pre, um, I don't know, pre pre three letter name you know organization you know thinking that that would work, but it's enough to work against the hot dog guy, right? Do a mixer, don't really know where the origination of the wallet was, for you know another wallet, and you know we're fine dealing with the hot dog guy. Yeah, that'd be interesting because it'd be interesting to see what happens with that because is it possible that like you know do kwan's going to get served another you know letter from the sec about you know revealing information or or, or asking them to log kyc blah blah whatever that could happen one day i don't know they've already been served for for mirror protocol but maybe one day they'll be served for that as well as possible I, but again i think the mixer thing's going to come from a third party i mean it's not going to come from uh, that's fair yeah yes i mean so I think the mixer guy, I can't remember. I think he's from Malaysia. <laughs> so good luck. You're right. Well, now that I know he's from Malaysia, now it's limited the uh, the search space for this guy. The guy who sells hot dogs for $1 in Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> do, do, do your own fucking research. Uh, welcome to the stage. How's it going? Uh, I guess Great my only, thanks. Um, I guess my only question is, we're go- maybe it's a group of questions, but it, it has to do with cold storage. And is there a wallet? Is there support that's in development, or uh, do you have to use what, what would it be like X X Rune ERC twenty onto one of the wallets that does ERC twenty tokens, or what's um in the pipeline for some kind of cold storage? Maybe it already exists. I don't know. 
Go ahead, throw. Yeah, I can take this. Uh, so yeah, for Rune itself, um, yeah. So there's there's native Thorchain Rune, there's BEP2 Binance Rune, and there's ERC20 Ethereum Rune. Uh, you can actually store all three of those um, on a ledger. So it's just different different apps, right? So uh, if you want, if you have native native Thorchain Rune, uh, it's just the Thorchain app or BEP2 Rune. You could store on the Binance app or ERC20 Rune. You could store on the ethereum app so um yeah i mean i would definitely recommend going with uh you know the native thorchain we kind of talked about that earlier and then you can even uh you can use that like with uh like you can use that for your swaps for your liquidity pooling um you know connecting to interfaces like um like thor swap um or xdfi not all the chains though necessarily are on all these interfaces uh, so you kind of have to look at each one in which has implemented uh, ledger support. Um, like I think XDFi is rolling out the UTXA ones really soon, but it's already on ThorSwap. So for example, you can do like, you can connect ThorChain ledger to ThorSwap and then, you know, connect that with your BTC ledger to do a swap. So that's already, uh, th- yeah, that's already here available now. So, yeah. Thank you. For sure. You can bring up, uh, bring back Zab and Nervin. Hey guys. Hey, um, so uh, I had a question about the Thor USD. Um, once it's implemented, would we be able to LP um, Bitcoin with with Thor USD as well? Uh, we talked about the idea, and uh, the, the benefit of that uh, uh, that idea for anybody who's listening um, is that you can LP without rune exposure and have a stablecoin exposure instead, which might be more uh, you know tantalizing for some. Bitcoin uh, maxis out there in a sense. But then we kind of decided against that. Sorry about that, guys. I lost connection a second ago. It's been chopping in and out. Uh, just something you guys were talking about earlier. Um, something one of you guys called on um, or Twitter spaces. And you guys were talking about like the maintain. You said something along those lines. So theoretically, XUSD being on ThorChain, if that peg breaks, Arbors would swoop in to pick that back up, right? Because essentially they're getting everything else cheaper. Would that be correct in saying? Yeah. So um, to your second question first, yes. Uh, if XUSD is added to ThorChain, the, the, the actually the other cha- other assets on ThorChain help to maintain XHaven, uh, right? Or XUSD, rather. So like the very fact that all these different pools, what we call anchor pools for the stables, uh, USD stables uh, exists, that creates an opportunity to, to arbitrage those things, at least within the ThorChain network. And so you can acquire them externally on some other chain, uh, some other asset, and then swap them in and, and then be able to profit from that scenario. So it actually does help the other pegs as well. Obviously, if, you know, the the peg system fails, you know, that's different. And, and that will that'll cause uh, some interesting uh, trading happening on ThorChain. But the Thor USD asset would still maintain its peg, no problem if, if you know, one or two of the stables lose their peg in some sort of black swan event. Um, and to your first question, I can even do you one better, is you don't actually don't even need a hot wallet on, on Terra, technically speaking, because you can just store your your stables in you know XUSD, for example. And then when you want to pay the hot, hot dog guy, he just gives you his Terra address for the, for the UST, and you just send directly to him. And so you don't even need to actually hold UST or even hold a Terra wallet in any given moment or time at all. And you can just, in one transaction, send him XUSD, and then he receives USD on the other side. Sick. 
Thank you. That's going to be great for like, imagine a scenario in the future that kind of like this idea of like, you know, Amazon creates Amazon coin. And by doing so, if you buy something with Amazon coin, you don't, they don't have to pay the MasterCard or Visa charges, which is like typically 2%. And so like they might say, hey, buy this TV with Amazon coin and you'll get, you know, 1% off your purchase because they're saving money and you're saving money in that case. And then, but you don't want, you don't have an Amazon coin, but you want to participate because you want to buy this one TV once, but you don't want to like go through the process of creating a wallet and acquiring Amazon coin, blah, 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 all these processes. And so instead you can say, oh, I have Bitcoin, I'll just pay with Bitcoin. And, but, but Amazon's receiving Amazon coin in the end. So, but you didn't go through the extra headache of trying to figure out uh, where to get a wallet and then all that kind of like, you know, craziness, which you probably don't want to do. It's much more efficient to say, hey, I have, I have XUSD, I want to buy this. Um, TV on Amazon with Amazon coin, you know, there you go. Done. Complete. Cool. Uh, last two people that are up here, we have uh, Nervin and then uh, Moonkin. Cool. So hi guys. Uh, good to be back. Yeah. I just, um, I was thinking, um, yeah. So I kind of know about the, um, um, the bonding of rune is like uh, three times to the, the every, um, so every pool, um, is one to one asset to rune right so for every one dollar of bitcoin there that keeps the 50 50 then um we would just you just need to find that number like what is the non-rune um liquidity which you could figure out on like a lot of various dashboards like um like uh, even on thor swap uh they have it or um kind of blanking out on the other dashboards um Thorchain live um yeah, so you could get it there and then you would just do you know three x that value is the basically the floor market cap of all of Rune. So then you would divide by the circulating supply to figure out, um, you know, the price per Rune. Um, but that's just the floor deterministic value. Then the other part to look at would be uh, what is the speculative premium above that, and that can fluctuate, you know, just because that's kind of just set by the market. But this deterministic price, at least how I think right. about it, is it's almost like it's almost like the zero point uh, for Rune in a way, like you could sort of argue it. Um, but then there's speculation above that, so it's been that's been anywhere from like I don't know, like a three x to a ten x or something like that. Um, I think it's been floating mostly around a five x at least over the last few months. But you can kind of um, you can kind of use that as a baseline, and then you know factor in like what would it be if it dropped to a two x? What would it be if it went up to a twenty x? Uh, you know, depending on just market conditions and stuff like that. And then you can also kind of use this model to kind of um, you know create uh, like scenarios where you consider like oh in in twenty twenty four if there if Bitcoin is this price if everything else is that price if if Thorchain captures X percent of that you can really like extrapolate out uh, you know what would be the market cap of Rune at these at these different valuations of these other uh cryptos and how much how much it brings right. in so yeah yeah thank you very much thank you very much guys um that that's helpful i'll check out the um the thorchain live dashboard yeah thanks thorchain.live has a great dashboard that has awesome analytics and charts especially for historical data which is going to be very useful to look at and I, i'm sure you know you look at the, the the dashboard a year from today and uh you know <laughs> there's going to be a stark a stark contrast in uh, in all, all the charts, if you, you you can look at it from the inception of uh, like the real Thorchain multi-chain chaos net last uh, last April, you could look at the stats from then until today and see how much it's really 
a grown. You can see how many fees are have been accrued each day by LPs, like all statistics about the pools. And uh, yeah, it's just a very useful dashboard. So congrats to whoever made that because it's pretty fantastic. It also says the uh, deterministic, current deterministic price of Rune and uh, the speculative multiplier, things about nodes and uh, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, if there's, no, if there's no more questions, I guess we can wrap up here. This is a, you know, <laughs> very good space. We do these every single week. So this is the best the best time to ask the questions that you need to, uh, you know, the, the, the core development team make make your concerns heard, get your questions answered. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, everybody. Yeah, and also if you've awesome. seen late, they're, um, they're always recorded. And again, yeah, we'll do it again. We'll do it again next Friday. If there's, if there's things that you want to see in this in this community, like this is a good place to make your make your like real voice heard about what it is that um, you want to see, what's going on here, what and answer the concerns that you have. And uh, there's a, a lot of other places to do that uh, too. Like uh, LP University is a great place to go to learn about um, liquidity pooling and the implications of that. Uh, to make sure you're knowledgeable before you actually put your money into something you you might not understand, uh, as well as like ThorSwap Discord is is very good for uh, getting technical support uh, for any you know any errors or something you might face. So all right, th thanks everyone. This is uh, this is familiar cow. It's good good talk to everybody. We will catch you next week. Take care, guys.